This episode of Two True Freaks is sponsored by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades.com offers 37% off all major publishers. InStockTrades.com offers free shipping for orders over $50. Most orders are shipped within 48 hours, and there are thousands of titles currently in stock. That's InStockTrades.com. And be sure to tell them Two True Freaks sent you. Two True Freaks reaches thousands of listeners each and every month. If you would like to sponsor an episode, please stay tuned after this show for details. Why are you so pissed off? Why? Listen, if you got blasted millions of miles through space, ended up on another planet, and were given an IQ test by a janitor, you'd be a little pissed off too. Well, look, maybe you are trapped in a world you never made, but, but I got problems of my own. You know, my, my whole career is falling apart. Your career? What about my life? I'm stranded here, shipwrecked. Look at this wonderful exhibit. You see what I mean? I'm a freak, an outcast. It's so lifelike and realistic. Bug off. Excuse me? I said beat it. Mutants. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. This looks like a job for Superman. Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 23. Today we have a weird inverted Comics Monthly Monday, usually where I have my co-host Scott Gardner. Today we have Johnny Bueno. Hey, hey, hey. And he'll be my co-host, and we'll be talking about Howard the Duck. And doing the comic bag, reviewing local comic shops, will be Scott Gardner. Um, Wait, Wait a second, did you hear that? That was everybody turning off when they found out that it's not going to be Scott. Oh, it's he's in there. We, that's why we stick him in the middle, so they have to they have to listen all the way through to. By the time they get to Scott, they'll be hooked on Howard the Duck. How couldn't you be hooked on Howard the Duck? A Scott sandwich. I'm, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll stop that line of discussion right there and move on. 
Hey, I'm new. <laughs> TFNG. Yo, TFNG, <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> so, I guess, uh, in Comic Monthly Monday tradition, the only, I, I bought a couple new comics this week, but, um, one is a sort of pisser offer because, I uh, pisser offer at myself because it was issue number three of Robert Block's Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper, which I picked up number one but seemed to have missed number two. So I'm going to have to track it down on eBay or something. That is a, you know what? That is a really good definition of a pisser. It is. I hate it. So I can't read it. I have to get number two before I can read it, you know? Uh, and by the time I get number two, I'll have to read number one again. Yep. And I got uh, IDW one shot Star Trek Captain's Log Pike, which nice. It looks okay. It's in that sort of painted style, which I'm not a big fan of. But I am a fan of Pike. You know I like Pike. So <sighs> who doesn't like Pike? So I'm, and it looks like this is like um, a flashback because it looks like there's some you know beeping yes and no old fucked up pike and there's some you know you know young kick ass pike so I'm looking forward to reading those I haven't read those yet but that's about it on the new comic scene I got the new issue of Sweet Tooth a couple weeks back and that was really good I'm I like where that that series is going mm-hmm. but I'm just yeah I'm I'm waiting for the next Walking Dead to come out, and I just I I I wouldn't mind having a couple more titles that I could look forward to. There's a couple I could recommend that I that I read that are pretty good. Yeah, yeah um, one that came out a couple weeks ago. I think it's issue number eight of Razzle. Razzle. Have you checked out Razzle? R A S L. No. It's it's the Jeff Smith comic, the guy who did Bone. Uh huh. It's uh, it's really good. He they come out once every six weeks. Um, it's a time traveling, um, it's a time traveling book, and uh, it, I won't give too much of it away. But uh, it takes a couple issues to get into it. But now that it's finally here and it's taken him close to two years, it's uh, it's really getting good. And um, another one I've been reading. It's actually, I found out it's going to be winding down sometime in the next six months is uh, Echo. Echo is uh, the book to uh, that Terry Moore did, the guy who did Strangers in Paradise. This is his follow-up, and uh, this is a, an espionage-type thing where uh, a girl falls victim and then uh, gets chased by, by the baddies, which are actually the, some sort of experimental government agency or, or something uh-huh. like that. So, those are both pretty good. Um, I read those. Got the new Tick a couple weeks ago. How was that? It's good. I mean, listen, it's good, and it's in color, uh-huh. and it's beautiful, but man, they cost they're like five bucks a crack, and uh, we don't get discounts too much here in New Hampshire. It's, uh, so it's rough, you know? Rough, rough. It's like... It is. I mean, $5 for a 32-page book and half of it's ads for all this stuff. I mean, even with Tick Number 1, the very first New England comic, there's still all sorts of ads. But as soon as Tick Number 2 came out, you just like just... That's the thing with New England comics. It kind of ticks me off. But, you know, oh, it's a tick. Oh, oh, oh. You love the tick. What? Ticks you off. 
<laughs> oh, oh, you didn't I'm even so mean good. to do it. Wow, amazing. <laughs> amazing. Uh, well, anyway. So, so those are some books that I've been been reading lately. And of course, The Muppets. My, my daughter gets all The Muppets. Speaking of Muppets. Yeah. I found a videotape the other day. I went down... My kid's been, like, watching tons and tons and tons of Muppets because I got the first three seasons on DVD. And I'm like, we're just so sick of seeing the same ones over and over. I went downstairs, the old box, the mystery box, and pulled out a VHS tape of The Muppet Babies. Oh. Yes, that's right. The Muppet Babies. That wasn't a bad show at all. Actually, it wasn't. And what was the one that we started watching? But the Star Wars spoof. Can find it on YouTube. It's pretty bad, but you know, not as bad as the stuff that's out today. No, it was goofy fun, you know. It was. That's a good way. Of I remember. It. I remember being like, okay, this is obviously for infants, you know, when when they were introducing it, but ending up watching it. But then again, I was in college and stoned, so there you go. <laughs> you know, I was like, I lived with John Sparacino, so it was like, you know, literally he was rushing home from work to get there in time for the Disney afternoon so he could get a few bongs and and watch, you know, Darkwing Duck or whatever was, you know. or uh, Darkwing Duck wasn't so bad no, either. No, none of the Disney afternoon stuff was really that bad, you know. There was a certain level, there was, that was sort of this renaissance in quality where those, those cell animated cartoons were you know, they they took him up a little notch, and with the um, oh, what was the Warner Brothers? Put a little effort yeah, in. Yeah, the Warner Brothers one that's Animaniacs. You know, yeah. they, they they put a little more, you know, just a little more effort into the writing, into the voices, and into the animation, and and it helped a lot. You know, it made them a lot more fun. And you know, the Disney after it was Disney, so they were. It's like the cheesiest of Disney animation, which is going to be better than any other cheesy animation. Yeah, I, it's not that it's I'm not a big fan anymore. That's for sure. But um, yeah. So, anyways, kind of got off on a bit of a tangent well, this, there. But this would have been, a, you know, the, our subject for today would have been a great animated, and they could do it now. I I would love to see like on Cartoon Network a, a Howard the Duck series. Sure. Because I'm telling you. For doing the research, the research for the show, I've read the first like 14, 13 or fourteen. I can't remember Howard the Ducks, uh, starting with number one, and I was just plowing through them. I was looking forward to each one. They're great. So now yep. I, I so uh, there's probably like ten ten more that I need at the end to to finish off this original run of Howard the Duck, and then I want to get all the the uh, magazines, which I guess is considered volume two. Technically, yeah. And I'd like to get but... those too, because those I remember I had a few copies of those and I really liked them. And I would. I gotta go back and reread them. I read them a long time ago, back in the day when I was working at the comic shop. There was a whole set that came through in near mint condition. I think I paid like 20 bucks for them, maybe even 10 bucks. It was ridiculous. You know, this was like, I got them, I read them, and, you know, there's there's some good parts, there's some cheesy parts. You know, there's things that go on in there that would never happen under Gerber's watch. 
and you know people with funny names back on Duck World and all that. Yeah. And, you know that was that was definitely a buzzkill. But, but there were boobies. Lots of boobies, uh, and he finally does it with Beverly yeah, too. I mean, well, you know, it was explicitly like, yeah, come here, come here, ducky, <laughs> you know, with boobs hanging out. So there, there was that, that face. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like, uh, it was in that, you know, just sort of not inked, penciled style, you know, the that colon yeah, would do. Colin, but but even the Michael Golden stuff w- that he would do for that would be sort of that sort of shaded, penciled sort of stuff so it would have that very it worked really well with the black and white and the sort of gray paper and the magazine size you know yeah it definitely was uh you know and, and golden he's kind of got that he's from that frame he's same same cloth as as uh as gene colin i almost said frank miller um as gene colin as well yeah you know very very illustrative yes yes and uh oh man i and and this is these howard the ducks is this original run of howard the ducks the gene colin art in it is is beautiful it like i would have to say this and like tomb of dracula to me are like the definitive gene colin art to me you know the stuff that like his horror stuff and then his humorous stuff and i just loved and and another thing I noticed this time reading it, because I really I got I was familiar with Howard the Duck by, if you go way back in Comics Monthly Monday, where ta- Scott and I were talking about the Carthage Library, um, in one of the Carthage Library sales, I got the the first two Treasury editions of Howard the Duck. So one of them had, I think the stuff from you know the along with the Defenders. Well, the, yeah. And uh, that's the one I can't find the other one. That's the one I have today. Is the one with the defenders in it, and uh, I think there only was one. I didn't think there was a second. No, one. there's another. There's another one that had, um, you know, the frog, the 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 two stories from the man thing, giant sized man thing stories. It had the man cow, or yeah, I think that was all in the same giant size though. Oh. I think it was all in the same giant size because they had several stories. With the original story being the um, being the giant size, being the uh, defenders one, right? It, which I it think had all the that the, was actually I think what's I think that was drawn by uh, our pal Sal Sal Bushima. Yes, it, it was, and uh, yeah. and I was sort of like uh, you know, but you know, one thing about Howard the Duck is that is. It seems like whoever's drawing him, especially in the beginning with, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Leahola? Oh, Le Aloha. Le Aloha. With, um, it really keeps it all together, you know? So he's an, You know what? He is a really underrated artist. He really is. There's a well, bunch a of stuff I have. fantastic inker. I think he... Fantastic inker and just a fantastic artist in general. There's a bunch of stuff he's done in... Some of those pseudo underground Cause, magazines. Cause like the f- they had like mainstream guys doing it. It's like I think the and, first and, issue or two is like Frank Bruner, and, the, and yeah. then it's Gene Colan, and then there's another one with there's somebody else's in there for one. Uh, John Bushima did one. He did issue right, three. Right, right. But with with Le- Le Aloha inking 
it, he he keeps it all together. You know, he keeps it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. He definitely. Well, I mean, he's the who kind of puts the final touches on it. Yeah. The only time that Howard really up through you know most pretty much the Gerber run in general, the only thing, the only time where Howard didn't look quite the same was really his first appearance in Adventures in the Fear. Um, right, but that's always know, how it is, where they don't quite have it. Yeah, but by the second one, because that was with Val Myrick, and Val Myrick later on, he did those two Star Wars uh, issues in the early 20s, and his stuff looks just like everyone else's by that point. Um, you know, it's Bruner who does the two giant-sized man things, the wrong, the longest-running boy humor joke in, in all of comics. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a, even yeah. A, as, in a while I hear there's a few issues where uh, Klaus, old Klaus Jansen shows up, inking, and that's very appropriate for it too. What I love about the Howard the Duck is, is it's, is it's comedic, and weird, but it's, it's that this is like this Howard the Duck art is like the perfect my perfect art for this time period. Like when I was a kid, when I saw this this type of art, it was like candy to my eyes. You know the the Absolutely. the amount of detail in it, um, very you know, all all the characters look very lifelike, and then you have a duck, you know, and, and right. Well, that's that's the power of Gene Colan, really. I mean, no doubt he's one of the all time greats. And it's funny that you talk about the, your two favorite things for him. Because he says the same thing. I'm on the. Uh, I've been a long-standing member of the Gene Colan uh, Yahoo group. And, well, maybe that's uh, why they're I, my favorite. Because he enjoyed drawing them the most. So he. He did, and especially the Howard the Duck. Um, I, I when I when I met him, the one time I did get to meet him a couple of years ago in New Jersey, um, I asked him to do a sketch inside his uh, his shadows book and. Of, of Howard, and he, he he said it to me, and I've read it in several interviews. He said it's his favorite one. He had so much fun, and you know, he never, he never. I don't think he ever actually met Gerber. He may have met him once or twice. I don't think he ever met him though. But he just loved the way you know. Every month, he said him and his wife would look forward to the script coming in and going to work because it was just so much fun. It was so lively. I mean, you know, Gerber. It, People are starting to realize now, after, of course, when he's passed, just how good a writer he really oh, yeah. was. I never realized it till I started reading it now instead of as a teenager, you know? Yeah. It, oh, completely. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, to me, Howard the Duck has always been my favorite, and mostly because the first comic I ever bought was a Howard the Duck comic. I bought Howard the Duck number 15 back in 1976 or 77. I think it was 77 I bought that. You know, I brought, my dad decided to bring me in to the comic shop that was down the road, what was then Empire Comics on Titus uh-huh. Avenue. And uh, me and my sister were allowed to each get two comics. And in the back was what was the, uh, a, an adult portion of the comic shop called Nikki's News. So, dear old dad would go and, you know, drop us kids off in the front and pick out what we wanted. Dear old dad would hang out in the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I wish I would have known, I could have gone back there back in the day. Because you just think about all the underground comics that they probably had back there. Oh, God. You know, that was. Well, when we get, exactly. when we get our time machine, 
we'll go and we'll go and knock on the people's doors and get them right off the printing press. Absolutely. But uh, I, so Howard the Duck 15 was my very first. So guys, like, what should I? He, he my. I remember my dad asked. He's like, what, what, you know, what, what, what would you recommend for for my son? And the the guy who was the owner is big time deadhead and uber hippie. Gave me. He said, try this on for size and gave you know had me go pick up Howard the Duck 15. Front cover, you know, Doctor Bong. The mysterious island of Doctor Bong. <laughs> and you know, I think this was this was actually, and and this is, I think, yes, this is that was actually one with Klaus Jansen. Um, yep. thinking, and yep. I I think Howard the Duck was just where these got where they got a chance to editorialize and be political satirical and maybe it was also trying to compete a little bit with underground comics and oh there's no doubt the reason why it was so popular (laughs) you know what made Howard the Duck so popular was the fact that as Stan Lee always said it appealed to the college crowd right right it's like that's exactly what it was Howard the Duck was that missing link that yeah, that, Mar- that that Marvel could not figure out. You know, they did really well with the monsters, and you know, they did really well with the psychedelic stuff with Doctor Strange, especially in the late '60s. But Howard the Duck, you know, was you know trapped in a world he never made, to to coin a phrase, and just making social commentary about the current world that we all lived in, and it was you know Gerber making the commentary through the eyes of a of an alien duck. I mean, as crazy and weird as it sounds, that's that's just classic Gerber, you know? I mean, that's that's what he does. He just comes up with the bizarre angle as far as just the shock value of stuff because he's just a complete nut. And then from there, he just... He, he got some rude... He got some rude stuff in there. Some, like, there's one where Beverly's looking around. She's like, I'm looking for my stash. And she's like, here it is, a whole quarter. And, you know, it's like a quarter, you know, a coin... But it was right. a whole, and uh, Jesus Christ, the one with the space turnips name. The space turnips name is Felch, which right. if anybody wants to go look that up, you know, <laughs> they can look up what I've got that comic. They can look up the, you know, they can look up the specific act that 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 Felch is. But and and they weren't spelled the same. But I'm sure you know that's where he, you know, he was trying to see if he he got away with it because. There was only probably a select crowd that was going to get that one. Well, I know. I mean, but when that Felch joke is... went over, I'm sure it went over like gangbusters. Well, you know what? Though not a lot of the people really knew a lot of the stuff that was going on in the undergrounds. That comic book Felch is high, is commonly thought of as the dirtiest underground comic book of all time. Oh, there was a comic and, book uh, called Felch. Oh yeah, oh, well. it's an arc. It's an Arkham S. Clay S. Clay Wilson, yeah, classic. <laughs> Mini, it's it's up there with uh, what is it? Uh, what we were talking about before? Snatch. It's up there with Snatch comics, Snatch but actually Felch. probably a little ruder. All those, yep. All those comics that end in. They all came out at the same time too as minicomics. Yeah, I'm looking here at. Uh, I had the omnibus, and I'm looking at the Howard the Duck number two, and Beverly pulls out a cigar, 
and they they recolored it as green. My gosh, it looks like a freaking Bob Marley party trick here. <laughs> oh my god. It looks just like a freaking Jay, holy cow. So, yeah, no doubt. What's also cool is that uh, in issue number two is the first appearance of the Kidney Lady. Yes, I love the Kidney Lady. Everyone loves the Kidney Lady. I mean, she's she's Howard's arch enemy, really. Yeah, exactly. She's his, his total foil. She as soon as as soon as she lays eyes on him, she's just like you, kidney thief. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and she and. Especially in number two, the kidney lady looks right. just like a like a construction worker, you know, with a dress on, with who's like uh-huh. pregnant. It doesn't even look fat. It looks like a pregnant guy with a few teeth missing. And I mean, a bunch. Of and, and, and Howard just ends up like throttling her <laughs> as the bus is like flying through the air. I love this. Well, that's because she she just whacked him with her cane. <laughs> That's, I, it's just, these these are just awesome. And you know, Marvel also gets to make fun of itself too. You know, they have the perfect opportunity. Well, Gerber gets to make fun of Marvel. Right, right. But you know, I mean, but at the same time, they're promoting themselves too. With this, you know, oh, I mean, I, I mean, the next uh, Howard the Duck number one is, you know. Just that in general. I mean, by that point, I mean, when I started collecting at number 15, all those issues back in 76 and into 75. Yeah. Those things, those things were big bucks back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I never dreamed well, of having those when I was a kid, you know. Me neither. Me neither. I mean, for me, it was, there was really two characters. We could talk about the other one some other time, uh, but the original Ghost Rider, the Flaming Skull. And Howard the Duck and Ghost Rider, that, that's what I picked up every month, except the, the time Ghost Rider was bi-monthly. So. But, you know, back in the day when they were 30 cents a piece. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, I mean, the very next issue after that is Master of Quack Fu. You know, right. I mean, even the cover is a total, you know, master, even the, you know, the typeface is, you know, they use the whole master. I love it. It's interesting. I was reading uh, reading this interview with uh, Frank Bruner, and you know Frank Bruner did the two. He drew the two giant sized man things, and Howard the Ducks one and two. He didn't do number three though, um, although he had started it. He actually had uh, he he at least in his mind he said that he actually co-developed the whole quack foo thing. He just thought it was uh, a, a progression. Yeah, I, I, you know, in preparation for this this episode, I actually watched the Howard the Duck movie. Yeah, saw that. Which I, I have never, I had never seen it because I'd heard it was so fucking horrible. Um, it's got, it's, it's got its. It moments, does have its but... moments. Um, pardon me. Um, my opinion was if they <laughs> would have gotten st- was Steve Gerber alive when that was made because if they had gotten Steve yeah, Steve Gerber just passed away like a year okay because if he had written it ago. if they had given some if they had ri- taken it as a satire 
they had elements of it. You know, there were you, there were like the way they set up the frame and stuff w- was very much like the comic books and the situations and and stuff. It's very eighties damaged. You know, uh, it has that oh. what like the pseudo Prince band, you know, with a synthesizer. But it's Thomas Dolby doing the music. So when like Howard plays guitar and is noodling around on the keyboard, it's actually really fucking funky, interesting guitar and keyboard. But it's so such hopelessly eighties. You know, they're doing the jamming out on stage eighties thing that's so painfully. And like, then the girl plays Beverly. What's her name again? Yeah, and and that that was my main complaint. It's like she wasn't a bad actress as Beverly, but you know, and I'm usually not going to you know be like this with this kind of movie. But she was not the physical type for Beverly. Beverly's no, not only. But you know what? The thing. I mean, Beverly was definitely a little more grungier she was a little dirtier well she was you know, uh, she, beverly, beverly was beverly in the comics was more hippies and i know that it, i know you know they were trying to take bring, right. bring it into the 80s or whatever so you know she was the, the girl in a rock band with a sleazy agent shit and right and and everything had to be cartoonish in it so that was good that everything was cartoonish but it wasn't crazy enough it wasn't it should have been like unhinged you know and there was even like brief almost nudity and stuff in it where he worked in a sex club for a little while and the Howard the Duck suit was a little creepy and his voice wasn't right either he he just sort of had a regular guy voice and I pictured Howard the Duck as being more grizzled sort of like a cigar you know he smokes a cigar he'd be like you know he could have sounded something, you know, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, type. yeah, exactly, exactly. Burgess Meredith, you know, but not in his like old age, but maybe like in his forties or fifties, but still some crackle to him, you know, some cr- crackle and gristle to his voice. Yeah, as long as it's not too tinty. <laughs> but but it was ultimately, eh, you know, I I. It, there, yeah, it was it was watchable, but it really doesn't capture the essence of of nope. of Howard the Duck. But you got to remember, by that point when that movie was made, Steve Gerber's he was basically you know he was he was in the process of fighting Marvel. Well, I can't remember you know? the names of the two. There were two screenwriters, and they were and. They were, um, they wrote a lot of Did stuff. Did Lucas just direct it? Lucas just, I think, executive produced it. I think it was just a George Lucas Presents. I don't think he, he had any... No, I thought he actually directed no. it. No. Oh, God. No, but I think he, he did, and uh, I know um, Industrial Lights and Magic did all the special effects. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I... Just... Yeah, the the two screenwriters were just like sort of your standard Hollywood adaptation screenwriters. They were solid. So it just had that by the, you know, the whole story arc was Howard the Duck is here. He's trying to go back, but he has to give up going back to save the world, you know, and falls in love with Beverly. So it was Yeah, directed by Willard Hike or Hugh. And Yahoo gives it a C+. Plus. Oh. Well, that's about right. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't think they really had to do an origin story. I think they could have just gone fucking berserk, you know? It's about a fucking talking duck. 
you know. For Christ's sakes, yeah. don't worry about basing it in any kind of reality. Make it as goofy as possible and then turn it up to 12, you know. Cram the screen full of satire every second. Throw, You know, maybe make it closer to like an airplane mu- movie, you know. Then, um, well, someone eventually will catch on, and they'll redo it, and they'll redo it the right way. Right. Especially now with the with the animation that's out there now. Mm-hmm. There's no. That's doubt. what I'm saying. I'd love to see a weekly, weekly Howard the Duck show. You know, live action with even a CG Howard the Duck. You could do, and I mean, wh- even the movie though. If they redid the, they did a new movie. Oh, here's a yeah, th- here's another thing that '80s damage in it is they dressed up Howard in like, for one, he didn't have a hat. <laughs> he didn't have his little hat. You know, he didn't have his well, like cub reporter suit. You know, they couldn't put the hat on him because uh, Disney sued them because he was of Donald. <sighs> That's the most ridiculous thing. That's the thing. I, I mean. It's that, not. You know, it's not. It's not even. A, it's Kirk. not even a sailor's cap. It's a. It's like a reporter. He looks like. It looks like the hat where you would have a press thing in the top of yeah, it. You know. That's exactly what it was. Because he had the rumpled suit and tie, you know, right. with the with the vest under it, and that's, you know, and but in the they dressed him up sort of like Michael J. Fox. You know, he'd have like a scar. You know, he's all eighties, eighties garb, which was just ridiculous awesome. yeah and like pants <laughs> he was wearing pants yep, in the that movie that was the thing that was the thing because Donald Duck had the blue suit and he had the little sailor's hat and his his little duck tail was sticking out well, Howard was white Howard was yellow and Donald was white and Howard wore a hat, but he didn't wear a hat or anything like no, that. No, no. Donald has a sailor suit on, and, and Howard is dressed like a reporter. He's dressed like Ben um, <laughs> Ben Urich from Daredevil. <laughs> he's basically yeah, Ben. He's basically exactly. Ben Urich. <laughs> he is. I would agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and they got that all wrong, you know. And I I I know they had to put a little kid or a fidget in there to you know to to run the the Howard suit but I would love to see them do it now to where they have it somewhere between what that Howard suit was and a real duck now so you know he's actually like waddling around and talking because that would be awesome you know if they had it now with him waddling around with a cigar in his hand bitching and moaning with a with a buxom girl because that's that's the thing about Beverly Beverly had to be the like she had to be the bimbo-looking, you know, character, but the whole twist with her was she was actually, she was alternately very intelligent or kind of bimbo-y, depending on what the story needed, you know, what they were making fun of. Mm-hmm. But um, um, this Beverly was just like your skinny 80s girl, you know. I don't know. Very frustrating. Her skinny Beverly. Very frustrating, because Howard the Duck was so awesome for, for so long with Steve Gerber, you know? Really was. And, you know, it, this wasn't the only thing that Gerber did that was off the wall. I mean, he had all sorts of other nutty characters and all that. But, you know, it was, you know, Howard the Duck was Gerber. I mean, that's that was basically an extension of, of him and his observations. Very smart man, very, and it's funny... Reading the Foom interview of him from Howard uh, Foom number fifteen, 
he didn't even read that much growing up. He wasn't that much of a reader until he got out of, you know, into and out of college. And uh, he got in the business through Roy Thomas, uh, as they both were from Missouri. Then uh, Roy Thomas ended up getting a job at Marvel and became editor. And Steve had graduated college and was, uh, he was in advertising out of college. And he was pretty much at his wit's end about uh, his job and just hating it and just reached out to Roy and Roy was like, hey, we're in the process of expanding Marvel Comics with all these new characters and stuff. Why don't you come on in? He just worked his way up from there. I mean, his his run on Defenders is, is awesome. I mean, one of his more infamous characters from then was Elf with a Gun. Did you ever read, did you ever see that character, Elf with a Gun? No. That was his awesome. name, Elf with a Gun. Yes. <laughs> is that going to be as good as that movie Hobo with a Shotgun that's coming out? Oh, I haven't seen oh, that. Go, when you get a chance, go onto YouTube and look and look up Hobo Hobo with a Shotgun. It's a pre, it's a movie coming out. It was a fake preview that they. I guess it was on some of the Grindhouse films. Oh but yeah. But it wasn't on the, any of the ones that I saw. But the one they the the new the one that they've made out of that that preview <laughs> the preview of the real movie now has him like you know this old gristle hobo with a shotgun talking to like little babies in the hospital going you know you're gonna grow up and some of you are gonna become the scum of the earth or blah 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 and you know he gives this whole little speech and then it shows him just murdering bad guys like in horribly gory ways and at the end he's just like but what do I know I'm just a hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I am going to that movie. <laughs> nice. Can't beat hobo with a shotgun, but elf with a gun is is pretty. Uh... Yeah, that's there was never really a name, and that's just kind of the name that people started coming up with. <laughs> uh, there was a whole thing I remember reading. Elf with a gun made like several appearances, and a couple of them were with the defenders. And he's just one of those weird characters that that Gerber would just insert um he did a lot of good stuff his man thing stuff is really really i mean really good i mean he he just knew how to write the man thing the right way i mean people want to compare man thing the swamp thing and because of gerber they were just i mean they were they were both muck monsters but that was about it you know gerber was really good with the <laughs> two completely different muck monsters i love it well kind of like yeah like howard the duck and donald duck yeah well, I mean, there's a grand yeah. tradition of making fun of the Disney. I mean, there's Mickey Rat, you know, which I mean, Mickey Rat puts <laughs> Howard the Duck to shame for sheer, Ugh. sheer horrifying debauchery and you know, <laughs> just awful, awful parody. But that would be that would be an awesome team up, Howard the Duck and Mickey, and Mickey Rat. Rat. And, and it's funny, and here's a little preview of whenever we do the Two True Freaks storytellers about Pete Hesh. If you want to get a little preview of what the real Pete Hesh is like, go read a couple Mickey Rat comics. Because <laughs> Pete Hesh kind of even looked like Mickey Rat <laughs> in a lot of ways. Particularly the early, the early Mickey Rats. The early Mickey Rats are pretty intense. When I was in high school, the two Mickey Rats that I got were like, they were like, you know, treasures. <laughs> I know. I got those and I was just like, oh my God, this is great. It's so insanely rude. 
Yeah. I found a tattered copy a few years ago and ended up giving it to Pike. He was saying it's one of his most prized possessions. And another, speaking of Pike and the Peachy Nichis, we remember we made a poster that one time of the whole uh, Howard the Duck Runs for President cover. Oh, yeah. Was we photoshopped that or for a That was me with Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Had Newt Gingrich and he had a blackened out eyes and he had this pointing a finger and it said impeach to Nietzsche's yeah. and it was like something like president cries foul <laughs> but that was uh, no it was uh, peachy Nietzsche's claim you can't beat Bush lame duck ex-president cries foul yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I, I stole that from a couple of things here. But hey, you know, that's when I, it's all in the sake of art. I'm sure Gerber would laugh at that. When I read that story, <laughs> it was funny because it has it has one of Scott's and my favorite things in a comic, which is real-life presidents or presidential candidates. And in this case, mm-hmm. it ended up being, both of them ended up being president because it was the Ford versus Carter race that Howard the Duck also right. ran in the Up All Night Party, or right. the All Night Party. I can't remember if it was up all... I think it was just the all-night party. I think it was the all-night and, party. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny to see how the di- the political discourse has changed since then, from then to now. Because, like, the scene with, you know, that had Carter and Ford both commenting on Howard the Duck were both, you know, compare. they were probably pretty... Um, it was pretty, maybe, I don't know if it was scathing, but... You know, it was making fun of them then, but it's so polite now, you know, that none of, you know, now it would be if it was like Howard the Duck running in the, you know, Obama versus uh, um, McCain race. It would have had everybody screaming at each other, you know. So it was just really, it was really funny because for, Carter would be like, I don't know, he seems like a nice guy, you know. <laughs> it's like, really? That's, yeah. That's what politics yeah. were like? <laughs> <laughs> At what time was this? <laughs> they were saying that uh, I, I was just looking back at that, you know, get down America. And, uh, one of the th- one of my prized possessions as a kid growing up outside of my Howard the Duck comics was my Howard the Duck T-shirt. I, w- I had I looked on eBay for one of those suckers because I saw the ads for them and they're like finally possible to find. They're, they're like ringer T-shirts with Howard the Duck on them and I'm like, oh my god, oh, I want one of those. Are those on eBay? No, not a one. I've been searching for one for years. I've seen two show up. One was a medium, the other was I think a large. And ended up going for like forty bucks. Wow. It wouldn't fit. Well, yeah, I was going to say mean, large then is like the size of a postage stamp now, you know. Right. I mean, you got to be super skinny to wear something like that. But uh, I'm I'm relegated to thinking I just go make my own at some point, quite honestly. But it's funny because me and this guy who, uh, he lived on the block over from me, and he was about eight years older than me. Uh-huh. He, uh, uh, his name was Kevin Kobe. And uh, he, too, had a uh, Howard the Duck ringer tea like myself. And uh, we devised this scheme where we decided that we were going to both show, we're going to go show up to the gong show. We're going to wear Howard the Duck t-shirts and then burp out the alphabet together. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> it's just so crazy it might have worked. 
uh, for an eight-year-old, it was the it had to work. <laughs> Mama. She didn't talk to me for a week after that. I got a little bit older, started going to school, and I learned the alphabet. I don't know why they did that. That was delightfully sporadic. I don't know why. Why did you gang gong for? He could open a gas station. You kidding with that? Another thing I noticed about these Howard the Ducks was the way the stories would go in them. He would like resolve one story, like whatever you would see yeah. on the cover would actually happen in the like if there was going to be a fight, it would be in the last two pages. It would, yep. and he would just resolve it in like two pages of like some little quick battle. And then sometimes he would even start the next story before he would, you know, for two pages, and then it would be the end of the issue. It was weird like that. And then there was like he went crazy for like three issues. Yeah, when they had that doctor, that that uh, that Asian doctor. Uh-huh. Well, no, well, with the, the first the the Asian guy was the Reverend Moon parody guy, right? And then the, right. the doctor was like basically a Hitler type of guy, like a German. It was Hitler. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. It was Hitler. Hitler was behind the whole thing. <laughs> and the very last. Uh, yeah, what was that? I think that was like number twelve. Or, well, twelve is when he goes insane. And uh, awesome psychedelic. I, I still and that's to of this course day. Where Kiss shows up in those those issues too. I well, yeah, add. and the kidney lady. That's where he goes to court with the kidney lady and all that. But <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and then Kiss shows up. I mean that was big too back then with Kiss. Well, that was like and then he gets, that was a promo for their, you know, blood infused Kiss comic. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, that was all the way up through number fourteen, where he ends up exchanging bodies with uh, Son of Satan. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, well, he doesn't I mean, exchange bodies. Uh, so I came, bodies, I came just... on this scene right after that as a. Uh, as a young suburbanite, and uh, one of my other favorite comics was was the annual, the Howard the Duck annual. It's just, I read that thing over. I haven't and over. read it yet. It's like the Thief of Baghdad oh, parody. It's actually the Thief of Bag Mom. That's right. And it's so funny as a as an eight year old kid at the time. I remember like watching the news like Baghdad. I was like, no, it's Bag Mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why are they saying oh, bad dad bad mom yeah <laughs> um but that was that, that issue is great that's actually drawn by Val Myrick as well it's, it's good because Val Myrick he, he, he kind of has sprinkled throughout the entire run of, of uh, Gerber's run on Howard from the beginning then the annual which is really the, the midpoint and then uh, those those two issues with Star Wars, I think it's twenty two and twenty three. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. What more can you say? Just go on and on and on about these guys. Yeah. Well, I was going to say let's take a break and uh, we'll come back and we'll go a little more in depth into Howard the Duck, Numero Uno. All righty. 
All right, we'll be right back. I like that one. We'll be back with more stuff right after this message. And now, the comic bag. All right, we're back with another edition of the comic bag, and it's Bizarro Comic Monthly Monday Week Month, <laughs> where Johnny Bueno is my co-host of Comics Bag, and we bring in our guest, Scott Gardner. Hey! How does it, how does it feel being a guest on your own show? He sucks. <laughs> oh, it's well, awesome, man! Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, for, yeah this is yeah, all I well, can you know, in for right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we we canceled the monkey with diarrhea clip that we had, and, and we didn't. And we we had some space left over here, and figured what would fill that perfectly. Oh, but this is the first you know, time in a long time I've been compared to a monkey with diarrhea. I appreciate that. In a while, yeah. Oh, God, but so. But yeah, yeah but now you're the guy with the you're the guy with the in, you're the guy who's been exposed to all sorts of new comic shops lately. Ah, oh, it's awesome! It's I'll awesome. Bet. Well, just just to give folks a, a little update on on what's going on, and this is the weird thing is I never know where to throw this out or how to throw this out or what's going on because you know shit's been airing all out of order. So. To uh-huh. a certain degree, I imagine our, our, our regular listeners are like, I thought this fucking guy was going away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, to you and I, <laughs> I haven't been around much, but to the list, you know, some of the listeners are probably like, all right, he never really left. But yeah, I, you know, we, cause we had stuff in the can and all that. But anyway, as we record this, um, just to give folks an update, um, the family and I are reunited. We have a, a house. We got everybody's all moved, and we are now living in a town, the town of Oviedo, in uh, Florida. It's uh, a bit north. Well, it's north of Orlando. I'm not sure which. I want to say northeast. I'm not sure that's right. I still haven't learned my fucking geography yet. But anyway, it's uh, it's not horribly far from where I was before. It's about 45 minutes from uh, where I was staying with a, a buddy of mine. Not too far from Orlando, not too far from uh, Walt Disney World and all that. Um, I am working. Um, it's nothing spectacular to nothing I really want to talk about. It's just, you know, it's part time. It's, you know, helping pay the bills for the meantime. But in the meantime, I'm still trying to uh, still trying to find work with Mickey. So, you know, hopefully that'll that'll go forward. Fingers crossed. Um, still just uh, kind of playing the waiting game on that whole thing. But anyway. Uh, while I have been, you know, exploring my, my new surroundings, I have been going to all the local comic shops that I can find just, uh, you know, just checking them out. You know, I've been really using the, uh, comic shop locator service, uh, and, and just digging around and finding what I can find. So I kind of wanted to do, uh, I wanted to do the comic bag this time and yeah. give you my own take, my own spin on, you know, what I think of. You know what I look for in comic shops for one, but also you know my take on the ones that I've been to, and this should be an interesting segment because I literally do have the good, the bad, 
and the ugly for this one. I really do. I have I have stores in all three categories, so this should be a lot of fun. But before that, something I want to talk about briefly is something that has gotten me really excited. Now, as you know, you know, in the past uh, what was it year or so, um, one of the big news stories was Disney buying Marvel Comics. And there was a lot of speculation of what was this going to mean? You know, what was it going to mean for Marvel? What was it going to mean for DC? And especially down here in the Orlando area, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, you know, what is it going to mean for the parks? Because, you know, yes, Disney now owns Marvel. However, they're, you know, people call them their, their chief rival. But honestly, if you ever look at the numbers of, you know, uh, theme park attendance around the world and the attendance numbers and all that. Universal can't really be considered that much of a rival because they they barely register in the top 10 of amusement parks, you know, attendance around the world. But anyway, in this area anyway, you know, arguably their their chief competitor, uh, Universal Studios, where Universal Studios has the theme park rights for the Marvel characters. So here you've got Disney, you know, in Walt Disney World, owning all these characters, yet they can't use any of them in their parks because their rival across the street has the theme park, you know, has the the, the Marvel presence in their theme park. So a lot of people were like, you know, what? How is that going to work? What what is that going to mean? But it's uh, gotta hurt. Yeah, well, it's weird. It's gotta you know? hurt. Well, and I don't know that it hurts, but it's just really, it's awkward. It's its a yeah. very strange relationship. So, but uh, I am thrilled to report that while there is no presence of Marvel characters, like, in the parks as far as, like, you know, you're not going to see Spider-Man, you know, in the parks as, as far as, like, a costumed character. You know, there's no, like, meet and greets or anything like that. You know, we're, 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 we're not to that stage yet. You know, there's no attractions or thrill rides or anything like that. There is a strong Marvel presence in the parks as far as merchandise, and it's awesome. Um, I was recently at um, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and there was a store that's along Sunset Boulevard. And gosh, I, could, I wish I could remember which shop it was. And I just can't remember which shop it was. But it was on the right-hand side of the street as you walk down the street headed towards, say, Tower of Terror. And this shop was chock full, almost exclusively, of Marvel merchandise. And it was toys, games, bags, graphic novels some single issue comics um t-shirts the whole nine yards i mean it was you know imagine your typical disney gift gift shop but instead of being disney stuff it was all marvel stuff and it was really awesome and uh downtown disney has um a a strong marvel presence in several of their stores Uh, i know um the world of disney store had some marvel stuff and then the um what's the name of that place once upon a toy i believe is the name of the shop uh, lots of Marvel toys, um, games, all kinds of stuff in there. So, you know, Disney is definitely taking advantage of owning that franchise now. You know that that you know the Mar- just the whole Marvel thing. And uh, I don't know that anything I saw was exclusive merchandise. You know, because you know a lot of it was just you know the the graphic novels that were in print. 
a lot of the toys that you'll find at you know Walmart or wherever. But some of the stuff, if it wasn't exclusive, it was at least hard to find. You know, some really awesome T-shirts. You know, in all sizes, not just kids stuff like you would see at Walmart. I mean, there were some really nice adult T-shirts and stuff too. And you know, and all the characters. You know, there was X-Men and Iron Man and you know, right across the board, Hulk and Spider-Man, everybody. So it wasn't just like, you know, the new, the popular, you know, the big name stuff. There were there was some obscure stuff there too. So it was, it was nice. It was really cool to see, and uh, you know, it was encouraging to me to know that you know Disney really has wasted no time in embracing this newest acquisition of theirs, and it, it gives me a lot of hope that uh, you know this wasn't something that they bought just because the movies are popular and they were hoping to, you know, make some quick money from, you know, like Iron Man 2 and stuff like that, that they were really going to latch on to that property and uh, and fully, you know, ex, uh, ex, I was going to say exploit it. That's not the right word I want to use. But, you know, just, just own it, you know what I mean? And really yeah. get the Marvel presence back out there, you know, in, in kids' faces. And it's great. I, I love it. And... You know, in uh, the world of Disney Store, I mean, they had a, a sizable section of Marvel single issues. It was really cool. And it was in a special kind of almost like a dispenser. It's like it was this like plastic thing. It's, it's really hard for me to describe what this looked like. But imagine like almost like a bubblegum dispenser for comic books. And it was like there would there would be the, the the issue displayed in the front so you could see what the issue was. Right. And then there was this like dispenser where you could actually pull the issue out, like if you wanted to pull one out to buy it or whatever. And I think I could be wrong, but I think you could, you know, pull the thing out and then if you decided you didn't want it or whatever, you just set it back in the top again. So it was almost like a like a animal feeder or a or a right. bubble gum display you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. and it was really cool it was a great idea and and there was a whole bank of these that you know it wasn't every marvel title but it was a lot of the popular stuff you know your spider-man your captain america your iron man uh avengers x-men all that sort of thing and it was it was really I mean, it was a beautiful sight. I know it sounds corny, but it kind of brought a tear to my eye because it reminded me, like you and I are constantly talking about, of the days when comics were everywhere. You know, when when you know you had the spinner rack. This was almost like the modern day equivalent of the spinner rack, and it was just really awesome to see. So, next thing I want to see from Disney is I, I want to see Marvel Comics in Walmart. You know, if I can see that, then I know they're on the right path. They're doing the right thing with this property that they purchased, that they're really intent on getting kit, uh, getting comics back in front of kids. And I think if that happens, we're, we're definitely going to be on the upswing again with, with comics. I really do believe that. I think that's the number one reason for, for the, the downturn of comics in the past, what, 10, 20 years yeah, you is have to lower the price too, because when those little kids go, "Daddy, buy me a comic," yeah, these kids go like four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, four seventy five. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Get back in the cart and shut up. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, that's enough about uh about Disney for now. Um, what I want to talk about now is the comic shops that yeah. I've gone around to. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go in two different areas because I started out 
Um, I was staying with my buddy Mark and living in the Claremont area. And so there was a couple shops there that I checked out, and I just want to talk about them briefly. Now, the first one was a place that's called Action Games and Comics. Uh, I've got the business card here in front of me. This is what it reads. It says, Action Games and Comics, Claremont's original comic shop. Scott, and I apologize if I butcher this name, Schlazer, it's S-C-H-L-A-Z-E-R. Schlazer is the owner. I'm not sure if that's the guy I met the day I went there. This is the only comic shop on the list, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this one first. It was the first one I went to, and it's the only one on the list I can't really give like a full review to because it was like one of my first days in town. I was flat broke. I didn't yet have a job. I didn't buy a thing, and I didn't really look around that that thoroughly because you know I didn't want to find something, you know, get all excited about it, and then I had no money to you know make a purchase or whatever. So. Just from what little experience, you know, what what little I saw while I was there just looking around, it was a really nice shop. It was clean. Uh, it appeared to be very organized. The prices seemed like they were really good. He had a nice uh, wall of both, like, new releases and uh, some collectible stuff up high, you know, on display, stuff like that. He did have a back issue selection. I never looked in any of it. He said he had some um, discount bins as well. Um that's going to come up a little bit later in my review. I didn't look at any of that, but he said he did have some cheapy bins. Uh, I'm taking his word for it. But the people there were really friendly. There were there were two or three guys, um, you know, uh, on staff that day that were there that I spoke with. Really friendly guys, really nice. And it was a, it was just a really nice shop. It wasn't very big, but it was really a, a nice place. And it's over by the. Um, I'm trying to think of what the name I think it was the Chamber of Commerce I forget but uh, th- th- there was a there was actually I was on my way to somewhere else when I stumbled across this shop and it was the place you'll know what I'm talking about Chris remember when uh, I-, I made the national news I went to uh-huh. that that uh, job, job fair case, yeah, that job fair for that stupid water bottling plant that's where I was on my way to was the day before I, I scouted out where that was going to be held and as I drove to where that uh, convention ended up being held the following day, I drove right past this comic shop. And I was like, ooh, a comic shop. So I stopped and checked it out. But uh, like I say, everybody that that worked there, really nice, very friendly. Um, but honestly, that's about all I can really tell you about the place. But again, to me, you know, nice and friendly, <laughs> that's, go- you know, that's saying a lot when you're talking about comic shops because that really sadly is not the norm with most comic shops so that right there you know beyond price and selection and everything that right there gives these guys quite the leg up so i wanted to give them the shout out um you can find them at www.actiongamesandcomicsalloneword.com so uh, check those guys out tell them uh, that you heard about them on two true freaks the next one this one gets my uh my highest recommendation great little place now i stress little it is a small shop um it's mostly new releases he has no back issues to speak of um but this place impressed the hell out of me with being clean bright cheerful um spacious i mean you can really get around inside the place um I would imagine that if you were a, you were a handicapped person, 
um, this would be a great shop to go to to get like your your monthly books because it's so spacious. I can't imagine that it's not very convenient for for somebody who was handicapped, you know, like in a wheelchair or something like that. Um, I won't swear to the fact that it's handicap accessible, but it just seems like it would be more accessible than like your typical, you know, narrow aisled uh, comic shop. Anyway, this was in Claremont itself. It's uh, it's called Heroes Landing. And the guy that runs the place is uh, Stuart Cohen. Uh, he said, call him Stu. He's the co-owner of the place. Hell of a nice guy. Really nice guy. And he impressed me so much because I first went in there on maybe my second or third day in town, talked to him for you know, 10, 15 minutes, introduced myself, had a little conversation, told him how much I liked the shop and everything. And I didn't go back in that show, or excuse me, into that shop again for probably a couple of weeks. When I went back in there, damned if this guy didn't know my name. I mean, how cool is that, you know? I mean, he was sharp. He was on top of things. Um, he's on, this shop is on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, again, it's Heroes Landing. Great place. And uh, the, the best comparison I could draw is if you guys ever were in a Suncoast motion picture company store. This shop reminds me an awful lot of how those places used to be set up. It, it's not dark like most Suncoast stores were, but the setup is very similar. Uh, he's got a, a new release wall with all the new releases up there. Everything's marked. Everything's labeled. It's really nice, really convenient. Uh, he's got a lot of high-end collectibles, statues, action figures, buttons, pins, posters, all kinds of stuff. Plus... He gets a lot of celebs coming through there. I don't know how he does it. Um, he's just, you know, he's got, he's in a small location that's in a strip mall with like a pizza joint and some other places. But uh, I saw all the like autographed pictures and things that he had there. I mean, he's had some big name folks come through there. Plus, there's several podcasts that are affiliated with that store, and they uh, go in there and podcast from that location from time to time. In fact, he had an event just a couple weeks ago. It was a Star Wars trivia contest that was held right in conjunction with um, Star Wars Celebration 5 when that was going on. Unfortunately, I missed the event because I'm an idiot and misremembered the days. But uh, he said it was really cool. And they gave away a bunch of prizes that had been donated to them by... Um, oh, shit. I can't remember the name of it. It's was, it was the place that does all the... Uh, you know, the big statues, like the really cool, like Marvel and Star Wars statues and all that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, you know, check them out. Great little shop. Again, it was called Heroes Landing and, uh, and Stuart Cohen is the, uh, the guy behind that. Great little shop. And uh, one of the best, honestly, one of the best comic shops I've ever, ever been into just because it was so friendly and so, uh, so customer friendly, you know what I mean? Just, just really bright, airy, and uh, welcoming. All right, going, moving along. Um, I'm gonna skip the next one I visited because I'm coming back to that one at the end. Um, another place. This one was in Orlando itself, and uh, this one was a real mixed bag. It's called Sci-Fi City. And I was really excited to finally find this place. For one thing, it was a bitch to get to. Because the approach that I was coming in on to find this shop, I drove by it, I don't know how many times before I finally found it because it just there wasn't anything to, to call my attention to it on the side of the road and the GPS I was using was, was giving me fits. But I finally found it. 
It's at uh, 6006 East Colonial Drive in Orlando. And you walk in and it blew me away with all the stuff that they have. I mean, it's amazing the stuff that they have in there. They've got toys and models and games and, you know, action figures and T-shirts, comics and graphic novels and, you know, just all kinds of really high-end collectibles. And it was a really, really awesome shop as far as what they had you know on display and for purchase and everything it was uh it was a huge place it looked like it may have been a uh a, like a at one time you know in a prior life this building may have been like a supermarket or something because it was really a big location um i found a uh, uh what do you call it a reproduction like an official licensed reproduction of a fox capacitor that worked Ooh. And I saw this thing and I was like, oh, I've got to have that. And I'm thinking, you know, it was in the box and it was really cool and it worked. I'm thinking, all right, you know, maybe what, $29, $39.95, something like that. Pulled it down off the thing. Yeah, $300. Wow. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. that, right? So it goes right back on the shelf. But it was cool. It was really awesome because it they looked They probably like, don't make too many of them. You no, know no. I mean? they, they had two or three on the shelves and they looked like they had been there for a lifetime, you know. And right. They will be there for a while longer. Right. But this was the this was the problem with this shop. I walked in, nobody greeted me. There were there was a guy that worked there and another guy talking, and I had the feeling that the other guy that was talking worked there too. They didn't greet me, and I wandered around the store for a long time before somebody finally did basically say, you know, are you lost? You know? And the guy wasn't rude or anything. He was nice, but he wasn't overly friendly. And I just kind of told him, you know, I, I, I like your shop. You know, I'm impressed. I'm just kind of nosing around and everything. And he was like, okay. You know, so rather than say, you know, if you have any questions or if I can help you or anything, it was just basically like, all right. So he goes back to his conversation. So I go back and they did have a lot of comic boxes, you know, like back issue boxes. However, it was only in slightly organized order alphabetically. And as I got to digging in the boxes, I found that it was really not very organized. And it was confusing because there was not a price on anything. And I started as I dug at first, it looked like it was a bunch of junk. But then as I started to dig into other boxes that weren't seemingly in any order whatsoever, I started to find a lot of really cool stuff, both, both very recent back issues um, that I was interested in. Plus, I started to find a lot of like, uh, you know, like 80s material that I was kind of interested in. But again, nothing had any prices on it. So I went up uh, and waited, you know, at the counter and the guy finally came over to help me. He's like, yeah, can I help you? And, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm interested in some of your back issues you've got out there, but I don't see any prices on it. I said, you know, what is your pricing structure or whatever? You know, and I'm thinking that he's going to tell me, you know, they go by guide or something like that. And he just says, you know, and, and very, I hate to say it, but in a very condescending way, he just said, well, you know, sir, you know, on comic books, you know, there's the little price. And he, he proceeds to tell me about basically the price box that's on the cover of the comics. And I'm thinking, yeah, but 
you know, you can't tell me that they're only charging 60 cents for something that's from 1983. You know what I mean? But his that was his explanation is basically whatever the cover price was in American dollars, that's what the price of it was. So I was just kind of disgusted All right. with it. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I should have had that attitude, you know, but I didn't want to waste my time by going back there, finding a bunch of stuff, bringing it up, and then having him be like, oh, you know, and then he whips out the price guide or something. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. He obviously, he, he both didn't understand my question and wasn't concerned enough to, to, you know, make himself understand my question and, and, and you know, assist. Right. So I was like, okay, well, thanks. And I just left, you know. And while I was really impressed with the shop and really liked it, I won't be back anytime soon. I was just put off by his apathy, basically. You know, he just, he was the typical young kid that just really didn't give two shits about the customer and it was very off-putting to me i'm very sensitive about that sort of th thing you know working customer service myself so i can't give mu much of a recommendation to sci-fi city i'm i'm sorry to say as awesome as the shop itself was um next to last one this one's real quick um this one was called uh according to um I'm sorry, Comic Shop Locator. According to Comic Shop Locator, the name of this place was Winter Park Family uh, Comics and Cards. Now, that's what it says on this website. I don't remember there actually being a sign for this place at all. If it hadn't been for the Comic Shop Locator, I don't think I would have found this place. I drove quite a ways to find this place. It was difficult to find. Um, it was in one of those like little artsy fartsy like outdoor mall things with like little antique places and like you know ladies selling like homemade you know I don't right. know right fucking knackies yeah, and yeah doilies and shit toilet paper yeah. doll heads that cover exactly. your toilet paper and shit yeah yep. and this was on an upper floor and I went up there and okay. I'm not making any of this shit up. I swear to God, this is the truth. Open the door, and the door only opened about three quarters of the way. It was filled, filled, floor to ceiling with just shit. I mean, comics, books, graphic novels. Oh, it sounds like heaven for me. It may sound like heaven, and it looks like heaven, except... Um, I mean, I was literally in fear walking into this place that, you know, if you made a misstep, you were going to be buried alive because I love that shit. Yeah, I used to, but I couldn't even get in the door because there was the proprietor was there and there was a dude at the counter. And I thought the guy was checking out and very quickly I realized the guy was just fucking off hanging and out. hanging out. So he made no attempt to get the hell out of my way. So I couldn't even come in the door. And it wasn't until I basically just like shoved my way past the guy that I got into the shop. I honestly didn't get further into the shop than the other side of this guy that was hanging out at the register. That's as far as I could go. Now, I'm not a big guy. I'm not like, you know, a big fat ass who can't fit through a tight space. There was so much shit in the way and I was so paranoid that I might fucking knock over some shit, you know, that I finally just was like, all right, screw it. You know, I don't need to go any further into the shop. 
I don't see how in the hell you could possibly look around in this place at all because everything was literally just you would literally of you would shit. literally dig around. Yeah, it's a and, place to go and dig around. So but that I was, place, that place, the thing about that is, now if it really sucks, it's expensive too. But if that place right. is worth its salt as a, as a pile, you know, because I love the pile of junk junk shops, but they have to be cheap. Right. You know, you have to find some really cool shit there, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, that's fifteen cents a piece." Or yeah, I'll give you that whole stack of it for five dollars. Just get it the fuck out of here. Right. That's great, you know. But I don't think this guy was. I could be wrong. Um, on the flip side, and I want I want to be fair. On the flip side, the the guy that ran the place, and God, I wish I could remember his name. We talked for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, had a really nice conversation just about the good old days, the way comics used to be and that sort of shit. And and some book, I can't remember what. And he wasn't an old guy. He was probably our age. And uh, really, really super nice guy. And he apologized for the way things were. You know, I think he could sense my my discomfort, you know. Now I want to go there when I come visit you. All right, well, we'll go stop over there. Ironically... Of all these places I've spoken of, um, this was the only place I made a purchase <laughs> on my first visit because I asked him about Back Issue Magazine, which I still lack at this time about, well, at that time about four issues, and now I lack, I think, three issues. He actually had, he for one thing, he knew what the hell I was talking about because my, nine times out of ten I mentioned back issue magazine that I'm looking for issues at a at a comic shop. They don't know what I'm talking about. They do that dog turning its head yeah. sideways thing. He actually knew, walks over to a stack of shit, pulls out several issues, one of which I actually needed. The the downside was there was no discount. It was full cover price. But I was so desperate both to get the issue and to get the fuck out of there that I went ahead and I paid the price. And the guy, like I say, was very nice, very friendly. However, and and again, I swear I'm not exaggerating, I was so uncomfortable, I mean physically in discomfiture by the way I had to position my body standing at the register talking to the guy and then waiting for him to ring me out that i couldn't wait to get out the door i mean i was off balance basically right so that i wouldn't lean back and and knock something over so i'm i'm serious i was i can't really describe the posture i had but i was i was off balance which hurts your feet and your in your back and you know your thighs and everything so by the time i got out of there i like physically ached so yeah, you know, not a not a um, a pleasant shopping experience. Maybe not the place to go if you're handicapped. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you no, you, there's no way someone like say in a wheelchair Could or a walker or um, I'm sorry, a I don't peg know what leg call. or yeah, one of those or, little what do you like... call it? Like 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 the people with like say like cerebral palsy they they'll have those like sticks you put your arm in what the fuck do they call them well, they're Not, like a, they're, they're they're i think it's oh, a crutch i, I don't know like a, they're a crutch yeah, yeah they're a crutch or a, ca- there's or no a cane way. there's no or way if, or if you have like no legs and you have those little wheelie yeah things with the four but you know now that you it, say that i wonder how this guy could bricks. get away with that you know how could you get i thought these days that everybody had to be handicapped accessible and all it, that it's it depends on where you are and what kind of shop is and and if somebody complains and whether you can get away with it or 
are not, you know. I don't know that a handicapped person could even get up to that second level because it was all, so from what I could tell, it was all stairs. I love, so. you see, I love, uh, I, I think I you'd mean, like that place. I, I like places, I'd like it I like if I places it's there. like crazy uh -huh. old men's barns that they've just stacked records and magazines and books in for the last 60 years, you know. Oh, yeah, come on out the barn, you know. I would imagine this guy's probably got some amazing shit in there because I, I'm trying to remember how long he'd said he'd been in business. But for the entire time that he'd been in business, basically, that's like it. Like if it was, it would be like when you when you chop down a tree and you look at the yeah, rings. Yeah, yeah there's you know, rock layers. If you were to layers. knock yeah, over, like, yeah, if you were it's to like knock sedimentary over layers in the, in the <laughs> exactly. rock, in the sedimentary in the layers industry. of comic books, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that could be fun if you you know. That's I would my world, I would enjoy man. a shop like that if I could go in find a corner to like just enough room to plunk my ass down and be sure I wasn't going to get buried alive. No, you dive and, and, in like Uncle Scrooge in a money pile. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Come wriggling out on the other side of the room. But uh, I apologize. This segment's gone on much longer than I anticipated. Oh, that's okay, man. I'm going to wrap it up with uh, the best. That's okay. Going We're basking in your presence, man. Oh, you're so sweet. This last one. Yeah is my new LCS. And uh, I want to thank, I want to publicly thank Billy Hogan of the Superman Fan Podcast for uh, calling this shop to my attention because without Billy's recommendation, um, I wouldn't have checked the shop out when I did because at the time I, I was still living down in Claremont. So this shop was a hike and a half for me then. But now it's literally like eight, nine miles down the road for me. So it's really cool. This is uh, Acme Superstore, and it is uh, it's at 905 East State Road 434, uh, suite number 100 in Longwood, Florida. And you can check them out at www.acme-superstore, all one word, dot com. This place is amazing. It is so friggin' cool. It's a 7,000 square foot uh, showroom store. They have got, um, it, according to their card here, they've got uh, 750,000 comics displayed, over a million items. Again, this is according to their card and their website. I can believe it. They have got Star Wars figures I didn't know existed. I mean, Star Wars figures, superhero figures, superpowers figures, Mego figures. Star Trek figures, um, Legend of the Lone Ranger figures, Tron figures. Um, trying to think of what else they had. I mean, just any action figure you could think of. Star Wars out the wazoo. Tons of loose figures. Lots of the original figures. Lots of the, uh, you know, the tall, like the rare figures. Right. The 12-inch uh, 12 12 figures. Inch, yeah. They've got play sets vehicles um remember those batmobiles those molded black batmobiles oh, that we yeah. so many of us they got those they've got uh i mean just new figures old figures vintage figures super rare figures they have several and i wish i could tell you which ones they have by name but i i can't remember but i know they have two or three at least Teen Titans Mego figures. 
Now, Whoa. I knew theoretically in my head, I knew that they were supposed to exist, but I never had actually seen them before. They have them there for sale. And I was like, holy shit, that was so, yeah, I mean, that was really cool. They've got Marvel Legends figures. They've got, you know, the new DC figures, both the, the little Star Wars size and then the bigger figures. I mean, just anything. They've got in, an entire, like, uh, like locked room that you have to be admitted into with statuary, you know, like all these like, you know, superhero figures, you know, the, those really expensive, really right. nice sculpted statues, just shitloads. I, I couldn't even venture a guess on how many they have. And plus, you know, their whole shop is, is just like, it's almost like a, like a, almost like a gift shop because they have like a full-size silver surfer as you walk in the door, like a silver surfer on his surfboard. There's a Hulk arm punching through the wall. There's a Spider-Man crawling through the ceiling. Just all this cool stuff to look at. They've got tons of back issues. Um, they've got a lot of rare and, and valuable older issues for sale up on the wall. Um, but the best thing of all about this place, and, and I'm not exaggerating, the customer service is top-notch. Um, the two guys I can remember by name, and I apologize to the to the third fellow. I, I wish I could remember his name. He was so nice the day I was there. I want to say his name was Terry, but I could be wrong. But the other two guys are uh, Todd and Mark. Super, super nice guys. So friendly, really helpful guys. And uh, I really just fell in love with this shop. Now, I did think honestly that the prices were a little bit high on on some of the uh some of the collectibles and definitely on the back issues and i was disappointed that they don't really have any they don't have like a cheap bin you know like a 50 cent bin or a dollar bin or anything like that or at least not that i saw but with this place you're you're paying for selection i mean they've got just freaking everything there i mean it's it really right. is probably the best selection I've ever seen of just anything you'd want as a geek that was just all in one shop, you know, just as a shop. And I mean, this place reminded me of going to like the Atlanta comic convention, you know, but it's one shop and it had more stuff than that convention, you know, so it's really, really an amazing place. And, uh, and I'm really happy that, you know, for the first time in God, I, I couldn't even tell you how many years got to it's got to be pushing 10 years you know for the first time in that many years I, i'm gonna have a, a local comic shop again and it's gonna be this place so it, it's really cool so i highly recommend it if you guys ever get into the area because it, it it's just fantastic it, it will completely blow you away no matter what you know collectible geek thing you're into they they've got you know a, a selection of it, it so it sounds crazy it was nice. It was really, really nice. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my comic bag. Well, before we let you run off to your new life in Orlando, <laughs> we got one more thing I'd like to sort of go over. Sure. We've we, we now that we're, we're still on Libsyn, and now Libsyn sort of newfangled themselves up, and we can see where our episodes of two true freaks are going oh, out to for once now i wish we could see all the way back from the very beginning you know what the proportions of everything is but it's sort of like an ongoing count now from 
um, I think it was uh, August, the beginning of August. So, you know, we, we can see from the beginning of August where all our shows have gone by country. We can look at it by country, by states or regions, by U.S. markets, you know, which are chunks of states. You know, they're like demographic regions. It's really cool. So, uh, I don't, do you have it, uh, do you have it up in front I, of you there? Pulling, <laughs> as you were, as you were doing that, I was treading water. Uh, yeah. I was quickly uh, pulling it up here cause I didn't already have it pulled up, but I am working on it. And so real Let's quick, see. I don't know if we'll just say, if we'll necessarily tell when we get down to like, you know, just a few, um, downloads going down, I think. I say we do that whole first page right there and and just throw out some shouts. We don't have to do numbers or anything, but just just that whole first page that starts with the U.S. I I think those are all worth throwing shout outs to. Well, I'll tell I say we do this regularly. Uh And I say this time we do all three pages. Okay. But after this time, we only do the first page. All right. So some of those countries and you'll know who you are because we'll mention you. In those second, in the in pages two and three, you know, start getting some of your friends listening. Maybe you guys can get up on the first page. The United States of America. <laughs> China. Canada. United Kingdom. Australia. Japan. New Zealand. Brazil. Germany. The Russian Federation. Mexico. The Netherlands. France. Ireland, Austria, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Romania, Norway. <laughs> okay, going to the next base. Now this is page Chile. two. Denmark, Switzerland, Virgin Islands, U.S., Philippines, Italy, Uruguay. I am not. Malaysia, <laughs> Serbia, Poland, Slovakia. Belgium, Peru, Bolivia, Colombia, Hungary, Kuwait, Egypt, Venezuela, Singapore, <laughs> Finland, Panama, Puerto Rico, Panama, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> the Czech Republic, Belarus. What the hell planet is that? Belarus. I never heard Belarus. of it before. Croatia. Excellent. All right, we have now one person in Croatia. <laughs> Hi, dude. Hi, how's it going? How is it in Croatia there? Holy shit, do I not know where some of these places are? <laughs> All right, now yeah. I want to go back to the United States and I want to run down. God damn it, open up. Oh, here it is. States and regions. Yeah, you states, and, states and regions will have other countries too. So we can skip oh, the yes. ones that aren't. So it's. It, 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 will not only tell us where in China, but it'll say, you know, like, oh, you know, right. what region in, in China is getting us to. Yeah, it breaks it down that much, man. But we can just read the ones that say U.S., you know. To Well, it, it amazes me that our biggest follower is by far Texas. And number two, and, and I'll say this: a lot of these countries have, and, and places have been switching around. Texas has been our number one as a yep. state from yes. as soon as we could keep track. Texas has been 
by uh by a margin of like four, almost four times yeah. everywhere else in the rest of the country. Texas is downloading two true freaks. Thank I don't you, know Texas. what the hell. We love you. Well, yeah, I don't Texas know. Yeah. is the most freakish state in the union, and I don't think oh, they don't. would take. I don't think they would take that as a uh, as an insult, man. Texas is like its own country, and 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 you all know in Texas, you guys are just a pubic hair away of being your own country, you know. Yeah, it's true. It, it, Texas breeds unique people, you know. No matter what, no matter what you think of the people that come out of Texas, you know, there's people that come out that that horrify some and delight others, but. They're always unique. It's like a, the state of real mavericky <laughs> wildness, well, it, you know. You know? I, I just want to say, in, in all seriousness, um, I really do love Texas. You know, I, I spent a couple of months there, there years ago when I was in the service, and I've always wanted to get back. I, I was there at uh, Lackland Air Force Base. Which is uh, you know just outside of San Antonio. Loved San Antonio. Loved the Alamo. Loved the Riverwalk. I've always wanted to go back. So yeah, I'm. I, you know what little I saw of it, I really loved. If you're listening to us and you're in Texas, please write or call in. I just want to know. You know how did you find the show? Why do you listen? You know I, I'm just curious. So please write in. Also, if if you're from our number two, which. Uh, you know, our number two, like you said, is is basically a fourth of our Texas numbers is Kentucky. And that one cracks me up only because I couldn't tell you when and where it happened. But at some point, I made a crack about Kentucky that I, I remember at the time going, well, there goes our Kentucky listenership. Yet they're apparently number two. So that's pretty. Yeah, apparently not. Well, so maybe was, they were maybe they were our number one before that. But <laughs> um, but then you got Illinois and California right under those. Yep. And, they're, and they're just slightly behind Kentucky as far as numbers go. Like Kentucky, Illinois and California are all about in the running for the same amount of of downloads but then you've got oklahoma after it then the then the midwest but but it's going all over pennsylvania massachusetts new jersey so we're getting east west i want to give a shout out to i know this isn't in the united the united states but i do want to shout out um ontario canada love you guys love ontario i really miss being able to go up to uh ontario you know it mm-hmm. used to be when when we were kids you know ontario was what 40 minutes away yeah and uh, i love i love canada i loved ontario i used to love to go up to uh uh, uh kingston and princess street and all that i i miss that so kingston. so uh, yeah shout out to kingston guys was like going to europe it was like yeah from hicktown usa you could go even more so than, it, say, if you went to Toronto. I've been to Toronto a few times. But Kingston had, like, a small town in Europe feel to it. You yes. Know? It wasn't yes. French-Canadian, but it still had that, that feel to it. And, yeah. Uh, it, there was a certain um, exoticness. Is that is that even a word? You know, it, it had a certain exotic feel to it without being otherworldly or truly foreign if that makes any sort of half-ass sense at all well they spoke english <laughs> yeah well yeah but you know that what helped. cracks me up though is is under ontario you've got uh you've got new york and you've got georgia and those are the two that i would have thought would be you know 
one or two or vice versa just because you know you're in New York and we talk so much about New York and we're both from New York and then I was you know up until recently living in Georgia so it's funny that they're about midway down you know it's that the internet, list so it doesn't matter where we are you know we're just floating in the cyberspaces <laughs> we're everywhere man and we're nowhere now I want to skip all the way to the bottom of this first page and throw a shout out to unknown United States. This one there's cracks a hundred, me up because there's, I, there's like over a hundred people downloading us in unknown USA. Well, you know what that reminds me of? As soon as I see that and I see unknown USA, it reminds me of that part where the computer is telling Logan of how many unaccounted runners there are. Yeah. You know, unaccounted for people in the world of Logan's Run that it wants him to go find what happened to them. That's what this is. This is like the unaccounted for runners. It's all the or... runners, yeah. <laughs> runners! <laughs> we will hunt you down with our star-tipped guns and... <laughs> uh, it cracks me up. But uh, yeah, to everybody, no matter where you are, uh, thank you so much for listening and, and staying with us through through all of these ups and downs and everything that's going on. Hopefully things are starting to uh, to stabilize here in Two True Freaks land and, uh, and uh, we'll just go forward from here. Yeah. Oh, I just love this. I can say, you know, and hello to Fukushima, Japan. <laughs> Fukushima, Japan. We have 59 downloads in Fukushima, Japan. That's 59 people or one person who's listened to 59 shows. Either way, uh, uh, hi. Can we actually... Let me see. I haven't done, done this, tried this out yet. Can we actually click on the state to see where in the state they're listening? Oh, we can't know. do that, Ken. Because I'm just curious so. if, anybody, any, if anybody in Intercourse, Pennsylvania listens, that would be... Oh, I don't know. There's, I found unknown Great Britain. There's some unknown Great Britainers, too. <laughs> Either way, if we mentioned any of your countries, please uh, email us and uh, say hi. Or whatever yes, it is you yes, say yes. in that foreign country. I'm assuming you speak English. <laughs> if not, <laughs> it must be a real interesting listening experience. <laughs> <laughs> While attending a demonstration in radiology, student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the arachnid's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. Stan Lee presents Spider-Man, Spider-Man Does whatever a spider can Spins a web any size Catches seeds just like flies Look out, here comes the Spider-Man Welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, where every month I and some friends will be discussing every book, every guest appearance, and every cameo we can find of our favorite web slinger, The Amazing Spider-Man. Are you tired of arguing over whether Ben Riley should have taken over the webs? Do you grow weary of the brand new day with all of its controversy? Then return with us to the early days. Return with us to the classics. Amazing Spider-Man Classics at Amazing Spider-Man. Dot Libsyn dot com. To him, life is a great big hang up. Wherever there's a hang up, you'll find a Spider Man.
All right, we're back, trapped in a world that we never made. That's me and Johnny Bueno. Yep. And we are trapped in a world that we actually never made. Nope, so we're just trying to fix it. <laughs> what the fuck, America? What the fuck world we never made? I'm pissed. So, <laughs> um, so now we're going to look at Howard the Duck number one. We'll be going through random issues of Howard the Duck, and we figured we'll start right at the beginning. And, you know, beautiful cover of... Uh, by uh, Bruner of Conan the Barbarian, you know, Howard defending the damsel in distress from the shadow of a giant, you know, horned-hatted warrior with the standard stone wall behind him. Just beautiful. And this, and Spider-Man stuck in the corner to to guarantee some more sales. But man, Really what not a, necessary, but... No, I was just going to say it's just like overkill because, you know... I was I I didn't realize it that until after this issue had come out, but this was a very anticipated comic book, you know, because I think he'd been basically s- stealing the show on Giant Size Man Thing. Yep. And there'd been a demand for him to have his own title. Yep. He was. And in, actually, uh, it says because you demanded it, the fabulous first issue. He was in Adventures in the Fear number nineteen as a bit part. And then he makes an appearance in uh, Man Thing number one, and then the two different giant sizes. So, but yeah, the Bruner, especially the splash page. That splash page is, you see, whenever you hear people talk about Frank Bruner and Howard the Duck, it's that splash page where Howard the Barbarian is is drawn into the water. It's just, just yeah, awesome, awesome picture. And um. I I read this the first time in the you know in the giant size comic and that this picture just looked beautiful you know in in that large format it's got the very like it's got a very um, Will Eisner sort of background you know a spirit yep. sort of of background and just a beautiful dirty polluted <laughs> river I love it <laughs> Cleveland the Cuyahoga River. <laughs> and of course, you know, I for some reason in that time period, Cleveland was the butt of a lot of jokes, you know. Well, especially yeah. for for Gerber, my God, he just he was relentless on Cleveland. Yeah, it was <laughs> set was. in Cleveland. Yeah. And so, uh, it's interesting here that uh, it should be noted that that Frank Bruner actually they have him here as a co-plotter. Um, he basically helped Gerber like rough out you know write this issue i mean gerber wrote the dialogue and and all that but reading the interview with bruner um he had a lot to do with this let alone the fact that he drew it and colored it the only thing he didn't do was ink it and and do the script and uh you know it shows he didn't do too many more uh marvel comics after howard the duck either instead he uh i I think when when issue three came about as I was saying earlier, and he didn't get, uh, you know, Gerber started sending him full DC-style scripts, and he didn't agree with it because he was having a hard time pacing it. He just kind of got fed up with everything, uh-huh. did, a, did a couple more Doctor Strange covers, and then basically did a public resignation through uh, a comic book journal. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Nice. 
Burn so, that bridge. Yep. So Howard the Duck number one, where uh, he he meets Beverly. This is basically how, you know, the the origin of how he met his his woman. And uh, it's just you know we classic. I mean, what, what can, you, more say? can you say? Beautifully drawn, you know, just gorgeously detailed. Obviously, a lot of work put into it. Pretty you know, psychedelic. Pretty yeah. psychedelic. Well, it's very moody. You know, it's very. It's it's. This is before Gene Colan, but it's still got that. You know, that House of Mystery sort of look to it, mixed with Conan the Barbarian. You know, it's making fun of a lot of the, the sword and sorcery comics at the at the time you know with howard you know howard you know he he finds you know he decides he's going to kill himself so he climbs this tower that's made of credit cards and when he gets to a window to rest you know there's beverly in in her you know awesome um chainmail bikini and of course her first words to him is you're a duck you're a duck and uh you know he fights a fights a werewolf and it turns out she's the prisoner of pro rata you know the the right. the the super accountant <laughs> evil right. accountant wizard. a lot it's funny a lot <laughs> of these these nutty wacky characters that Gerber introduces like this guy are normal people who lose their minds <laughs> yes you know what I mean? well, that, there were a lot of lo- normal people losing their minds in in those days in comics you know yeah that was how you made a super villain, is you. But but yeah, these were these were ordinary guys. These were and if if he if if going postal was you know uh, in the in the vocabulary then he would have definitely you know in these first five issues there would have been like Howard versus some post you know absolutely postman going postal you know so and uh, yeah he he would. He loved just making mundane villains. I mean, in the in the one with the where he meets a defender, he has that one magician who's the master of the mundane. You know, he makes white picket right. fences appear and just very normal. You know, tennis balls fly out and knock out Doctor Strange. So yep. yeah, he was and and come on, Cleveland. Cleveland is about as working Joe of a town as as you're gonna get. You know. And Howard, Howard is supposed to be that just like Joe Six Pack, except he's a duck. Right. Joe Six Quack. <laughs> but when you're dealing oh. with things like the fate, your fate due to the cosmic calculator. The cosmic calculator. <laughs> you know. I alone shall collect the cosmic dividend. <laughs> it's just, just the, the, the sarcasm. If if you can't figure it out, I mean. For, well, it's a, goofy as hell, but it's drawn with such, you know, detail and earnestness, you know. That's why it works is because it's just, you know, it's approached <laughs> with yeah, a lot I of mean, detail and it's some goofy shit. But, you know, even for, for little kids, like for when we were kids, it still was too because it was cartoonish, but it uh-huh. was... But it wasn't, you know. I worked on so many different levels. Oh yeah, well, reading it now, I'm getting so. There's so much more that I get. So much more adult humor showing up in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So many more jokes about Beverly's boobs and you know excuses for them to work cheesecake in and yep and such. 
And and this one is beautiful when Pro Rata kicks him through like a dimensional door to go get the key he needs. Right. It automatically turns into sort of like a um, Al Williamson sort of sci-fi drawn. You know, there's people on weird bird-like creatures with um, not swords, but you know, like for uh, jousting. You know. Yeah, it's a joust. Yeah, and uh, and 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 this is the beginning of where we find out. You know, in a fight, Howard usually kicks people's asses. He usually, like, when he's backed into a corner, this guy with the joust attacks him, and Howard takes him out, like, cuts his sword, you know, cuts cuts his jousting pole in half and knocks him off his his horse. So Howard's, Howard's pretty badass. Yep. Absolutely. Unlike those other dogs who always got the crap kicked out of them. Daffy. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Daffy and Donald. Donald always get his duck blown off. It's funny on on like I don't know what it is in the omnibus, but on page seventeen when they're they're going after the key and they're um these are two this is a page that always stood out in my memory where they're go, the key sort of suspended over the pit full of um spikes with the skulls of course impaled on them. Right. But it has the total Donald Duck shot of Howard where, you know, he's he's in his barbarian outfit, but it's just it cuts him off from the bottom of his bill and like the top of his eyebrows and he totally looks like Donald Duck. Totally and, in that shot, yeah. And then uh, underneath it has the best like shot that. of Beverly's butt that you'll ever see and those are the what I remember as a kid. I was remembering like, wow, this comic's got some nice butts in it for a comic book. <laughs> You don't see that too much, and there's just a lot of awesome. But you see, that's you see that's why the movie just it didn't make it for me. You know, this is the Beverly that I picture. You know, something out of Heavy Metal magazine or yeah, well, it's Red Sonia. That's what she is. Red Sonia or Gonad the Barbarian or what have you. And of course, <laughs> I love the next. There's another page where he finally gets a cigar, and he's just walking and talking with his cigar, and it's a shot from behind him. Yeah. I love that. I love that shot. Where he's like looking up under, under her. No, he. Well, they, it was just before she lights a cigar, and then he's like, "All right, let's think about this." You know, he's, uh, what does he say? Uh, Let me cogitate, cogitate a, second. a second or two. Yeah, I love that. I love that where he's just sit, sitting but the, there. But the next panel when he's like looking up at her crotch. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's almost stuff. like there was a James Bond movie poster, but that came after this. Yeah, there's a lot of things sorta... that were ape from this. I mean, looking at this again, I just see so many. I mean, even though it's Red Sonia, how do you not think Princess Leia when you see this too? I yeah, I got that. Well, that's where they got this idea of Princess Leia from those classic, you know, cheesecakey right thing. And boy, they got that right. Absolutely. But um, I I got th- I got my issue of number one a couple years ago at a estate sale for five bucks. But when 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 the, when we were kids, this issue was just like out of control, like. Yeah, expensive. They, people weren't people weren't used to new issues. This was one of the first times it seemed like where a new issue came out and it just 
you know, this is the time, you know, 1975, when comic book shops really started taking root in this country. Before that, in the 60s, everything was on newsstands. Yeah. You didn't start seeing comic book shops until the early 70s. And this was one of the first times, I mean, there was other ones, like the when the revival of Shazam and, and stuff like that. But for a new issue and a new comic, you know, the, Howard the Duck was, you know, so anticipated and uh, Bruner what happened with Bruner was is he knew he was going to be getting the royalties on this thing so he asked for a raise and they told him no he's like are you kidding me with the sales of this comic book uh huh he's like and that's when next thing you know he uh, he wasn't asked back but yeah they were saying that this thing was going for five ten bucks a pop within a few months after it came out, and the thing only was selling on the rack originally for a quarter. Right, and fi- yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, I mean, five or ten bucks, then you know, yeah. we're talking, we're talking thirty, forty, thirty or forty bucks, really, actually. Yeah, now nowadays, than, yeah, probably more, more than that, even I would say, quite honestly, compared to, you know, I mean, this is seventy-five, the first. Fantastic Four was wasn't even fifteen years before that. I mean, yeah, well, you could you know you could pick up a Spider-Man one for a couple hundred dollars, and yet this Howard the Duck is going for ten. You know, just think about that. So, and speaking of Spidey, I that, that, I think if anything, the one thing I wasn't really a huge fan of, let alone the the, the tie-in with Spider-Man, but. He just looks so out of place here. I'm not it's sure. It's perfunctory. It's just like yeah. this perfunctory appearance, you know. I mean, Howard the Duck gets, it's you know, he goes in the sword and sorcery, sorcery world and gets in a fight with the giant bird and the giant colossus rock creatures, and you know, the giant bird comes back and is wrecking Proratus Tower, and and then Spider, then all of a sudden, you know, Spider-Man's included in the story. And at this point, the story's about over, you know. Right. We're in the last few pages of the comic. So it's basically Spider-Man serves a function at the end to be the Han, to Han Solo it and to come in and, you know, catch the key when when Howard chucks it off and then to catch Howard when he tries right. to sacrifice himself to take out Pro Rata. Right, and then the, uh, the obvious punchline there, although... I wouldn't have thought of it. Web foot meets web head. Yes. <laughs> it's like, ugh. I guess it had to be said. And but, and then at the end, Spider-Man's a total dick. He just he's like, okay, well, he leaves them stranded. You know, he could take them, but he grabs a helicopter and just says, "Well, see you later." And they're like on this island, surrounded by a burning river because it's so polluted. <laughs> I know that it's now on fire from. This, this battle didn't make a lot of sense yeah but oh that's right Spider-Man was going off to fight that bird that took off the, the giant lizard bird from the other dimension right which probably did not get picked up in Spider-Man after that nope but uh just uh, the the general high quality of art that they maintain in this whole series you know I mean, Bruner didn't come back, but boy, that you know, Gene Colan did a bang-up job. <laughs> and then they even had a fill-in issue with John Bushima. 
that was st- that still look good. And I'm not a big fan of John Bushima actually, but no, he the... did a really good job in this one though. And well, oh, I think by the way, Le- that Le Aloha really like helped also make it look, you know, consistent. So I think that helped a lot with that art too. Absolutely, but the, that image of Howard on the T-shirt is actually the John Bushima version. If you look at the oh, really? splash page, if you look at the splash page of number three, you'll see uh, yeah, there's Howard with the smoke rings and the, and the stogie chomping and the pissed off look. That's where it came from. Pardon me. So you are correct, sir. Oh my God, you're right. I would love. Uh, I want that T-shirt so bad. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, in this day when they're remaking every goddamn thing in the world, why can't they? Do- you see, that's what needs to be remade: is a movie like Howard the Duck that sucked, but had potential to be good. You know, right. and now the technology's caught up. And actually, George Lucas, I don't think he probably retains the rights anymore to it. But, you know, George Lucas, Mr. Like, I like to fix things that I did in the past. But I'm not saying that he should take the old Howard the Duck movie and, like, put 90, you know, take the 80s clothes off him and make him look up to date. But, you know, a, a remake, a good satirical Howard the Duck movie now would, I think it would be great. If it was written well, get yeah. some good get some you know get, some, get the guy like um, Kaufman who wrote you know being John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, that would be he'd be good. That he he would be crazy you know he would write a crazy get Spike Jones to direct it. Yep. And and give me some Howard uh, new Howard the Duck. I'd love it if anybody wants to give me ten or fifteen million dollars. I'll I do might, it. I might be able to chase some of that down for you if you need. See if you can swing that. See if you know any like wealthy dentists who want to like invest some money in a Howard the Duck movie. Well, I, I do know a wealthy dentist. <laughs> I wonder. Well, yeah, at least. And he is in our... the comics. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I wonder how much it would be to get. I wonder how much in this day and age it would be to like buy the rights to Howard the Duck. It's th- weird things like that happen. I remember there was a woman here in Rochester who bought the rights to all the flowers in the attic books. Remember those? Yeah. She 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 didn't buy flowers in the attic. She there were like three or four other ones by that author and she bought the rights to them and she was looking for someone to write screenplays for her that she was going to get made. And she was this weird, crazy lady. I saw uh, an ad in the paper. and So, you know, it might not be that expensive to get the rights to Howard the Duck. I don't know. I don't know. I found out that uh, Woody Harrelson bought the rights to this baseball player's <laughs> biography when he dies. His name is <laughs> Bill Lee, also known as the Spaceman. Yeah, he's freaking out of his rocker. I love him. He's my all-time favorite baseball player athlete. <laughs> he's and now played... Woody Harrelson owns him? <laughs> yeah. Woody Harrelson owns his rights. <laughs> Once you're dead, you're mine, man. <laughs> well, he was like... 
he's one of those guys who just spoke his mind and didn't care what he said. He's just, he was a kook. He's completely California, but he was really good. He's a really smart. He's a pitcher. And, uh... So it's basically somebody Woody Harrelson could really, uh... Oh, I mean, what, what was that head, movie that he did? Wrap his head around. What was that movie, the, the uh, when he was the guy from Penthouse? Oh, from Hustler. Oh, um, Hustler. Larry Flint versus, yeah. Yeah, People, the versus, people Larry versus Larry Flint. I'm sure yeah. that's where he got the idea. <laughs> I'm sure that's where he's got the idea. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. That was a great movie. I think I, I saw Larry that in the Flint. theater with you. Is Larry Flint still alive? I don't know. I think he is. That's one one of my favorites. See, you see, the the I I believe it was Milos Forman directed that, who is also the director for my you know one of my favorite movies of all time, which is uh, my favorite movie of all time, which is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, I just love that scene where you know after he's been shot and. He's in court and he comes in in the diaper made out of the flag and he's yep. just like, I fashioned this diaper out of an American flag to show my displeasure with it. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, he's still alive. That's that's just a classic. You, they, you don't make theater, you know, like that. You can't beat shit like that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's... That is how you live your life. <laughs> If you get shot and you're in a wheelchair and you're a porn monger, yeah, you go to court in a diaper made out of the American flag. Well, that's that's when you just... give a speech out of the corner of your mouth. I love it. That's called staying true to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No matter what the circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how do we get from... Hustler from Howard the Duck to Hustler Magazine. Um, I love it. Because I started talking about that baseball player. We were talking about movies. Yeah, I actually, I used to have some Hustler comic books at one time. Really? There were Hustler comics and there were Al Goldstein Screw comics too at, at a certain point in time. Uh. The Screw comics being superior. The Screw comics were cr- crazy, weird shit, just like Screw magazine. Yeah. Another thing that America, and I don't know, we have some listeners in New York City. I don't know if any of you are old enough to uh, have been 18 years old to have been able to buy Al Goldstein's Screw, but it was a New York City... And, you know, it, it made its way around the country, but it was published in New York City, and Al Goldstein is... New York City, you know, through and through. He's just a little ch- chubby, like, he looks like, what, what, a satyr, you know, type of guy. You know, he's got the chubby bearded guy. Right. And, uh, you know, and I think Screw was his main thing besides doing, like, public access TV or it was pay TV or something in New York City. But he did flat out, he would play flat out porn. On a New York City pay TV channel, and in between it would have him doing interviews and stuff. But he was fucking out of his mind. So he had Screw Magazine, which was a combination of like underground comic artists, straight up New York City, like 
porno or not porno but like you know massage parlor and and escort service ads interspersed with you know graphic porno pictures and then the beginning of it would just be like Al Goldstein taking all the his enemies and 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 grafting pictures of their heads on you know and the most horrifying porn you know if it was if it was a male enemy he would be getting sodomized you know if it was just and he hated Hillary Clinton so there were always all these like lesbian porn pictures with Hillary Clinton superimposed and this is in the days before the internets had this stuff left and right and just you know anytime I had a friend who'd go to New York City I would force them to buy me and come back with an issue with the latest issue of Screw it's interesting. I'm looking here at his, uh, his bio on Wikipedia, so you know it's true. But uh, there was a documentary made about him in 2005. Oh, really? Yeah, titled Porn King, The Trials of Al Goldstein. <laughs> it says here in 2006 he released an autobiography. Oh, no. Called I, Goldstein, My Screwed Life. <laughs> it says, receive favorable reviews. And then he launched a campaign for election in 2008, which his campaign slogan was, Support Al. He likes it on top. <laughs> yep. Fucking. I mean, okay, just to just so you can get a picture of, visual picture of Al Goldstein, there was a Saturday Night Live skit. And, of course, who would portray Al Goldstein but Danny DeVito? And it was just, it was, it was a... Al, it was like a skit of Al Goldstein recording the audiobook of Madonna's Sex. You know, nice. so he's really, you know, he's like, I like playing with my vagina, you know. And <laughs> then there's a picture of, and then he would describe, you know, the pictures. And then there's a picture of Madonna here, and she's in this outfit, and man, it's horny. It, And when I say horny, I mean horny. It's like, grab and. You know, just that New York, he has that New York City cigar chomping, you know, it's just awesome. Just an awesome character. But I think, um, yeah, he, he ended up, he ended up having so many lawsuits and ex-wives that sued him and stuff that he just was like, screw Five everybody. Wives. Yeah, screw everybody. I'm going out of business and, you know, I'm going to, you know, eat haagen ice cream from now on. But, yep. Yeah. He's Al still alive Steen. too. Oh yeah, he'll live forever. Those guys live forever. He and Larry Flint will, you know. And and, and look at freaking uh, what's his name there, Mister Playboy himself. I mean, he's just lucky that they invented Viagra just in time for him. Hugh Hefner. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's like his existence in time and space just worked out perfectly for him. It did. Mm-hmm. He Absolutely. was a young man. He was a young man. He was on the he he put himself on the razor's edge of the sexual re- revolution, and then he got to experience the whole free love sixties as a as a millionaire who was famous for having women Sex. around him. So, yeah. you know, all he had to do was have his little empire and with women surrounding him. And yeah, and by the time he started getting decrepit, you know, Viagra came out. Just a, a charmed life. Yep. 
Meanwhile, all those do-goody-gooders, they end up getting shot in the head or dropping dead of a heart attack or, you know, or their head just drops off when they turn 35, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yep, so there's a lesson for you, boys and girls. Keep that in mind. On t- August 29th, 2008, Al Goldstein, in response to the Larry Craig scandal, declared in his blog that he was bisexual and said he'll be, quote, the first presidential candidate to admit sucking cock and the first to turn fully gay mid-campaign. <laughs> uh, Al Goldstein said this. However, in a presidential campaign video on YouTube, Al admits he's straight and been married five times. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just knows how to get publicity. That's why I love that guy. When, when, yeah, you know, when something like, you know, when, when like Andy Gibb died of AIDS, Screw Magazine went berserk. Berserk. You know, he was the king of politically incorrect before anybody even knew what it was. It was, well, he, he and Larry Flint were both just, you know, they're Horrifi- one up each horr- other. Yeah, horrifyingly, ta- you know, horrifyingly tasteless. I mean, Hustler Magazine was the magazine that launched Chester. Th- they had a cartoon called Chester the Molester. molester. Yep. And it was a child molester, and it was humorous gags <laughs> that all revolved around Chester the Molester, A, setting complicated traps to lure kids in and creepy traps, and B, featuring skid mark gags. You know, that was a funny thing. His Chester was a molester, and he also had skid marks on his underwear. It just try to <laughs> try to run Chester the molester these days. You know, I remember one of the Chester molesters. It was literally molester like cartoons. little girls and stuff in the car. In the yeah, I remember one. I remember one cartoon specifically where Chester molester like. Some little girl's on a slide, and he's like at the bottom of the slide with his tongue at on top at the bottom end of the slide. That's so right. Like, and I was like twelve years old at the time, looking at some of that stuff, going, "Oh my I god!" I don't know, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's funny, but I'm not sure I should be laughing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hustler in a in a nutshell in a nutsack. Yeah. It was. It had asshole of the month, you yes. know, which was like either it was a picture of a of a donkey with like the guy's head coming out of their ass, or or like this horrible cartoon of like this guy bent over with his, you know, hanging nutsack and like spreading his cheeks, and then whatever the celebrity or whoever politician or whoever it was, you know, would get, luckily get their head. Just like superimposed right in the right where the asshole would be. I think Newt Gingrich. I remember seeing one with Newt Gingrich, even from the seventies. <laughs> he was just a, and he was he was he was awesome though. He would do stings on politicians. You know, he would pay lots of people lots of money to set up stings on on politicians, and he loved catching them in in hypocritical sexual situations which I love that I love that because 
Yeah, okay, so Larry Flint, yeah, I, I think it was like his actual, the first time he had sex was with a pig. And, you know, so, you know, the Ooh. guy's not a distinguished guy. Larry Flint. Really? Yeah, that's what, well, that's what he says in his autobiography. So there you go, you know. I believe it's, I haven't read his autobiography, but I've I've read that factoid before, and I think they gloss over it. I think it's mentioned briefly in the beginning of People versus Larry Flint when they have the 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 flashback of him as a kid. But yeah, supposedly he lived on a farm and he lost his virginity to a pig. Oh. So, you speaking know, but, of speaking of pornographic uh, autobiographies, did you read the Ron Jeremy autobiography? No. <laughs> There is a there's a movie out there too. There's yeah. like the Ron Jeremy story, and yeah. I have the DVD of it. But like an idiot, I bought the blockbuster DVD, which is rated <laughs> R. And there's right. a not rated version that has like you know that has the straight up full version of the movie, which is what I want to see. You know, give if you're gonna do a Ron Jeremy story, I want it to be a full up, full out Ron Jeremy story. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to see some censored version of Ron Jeremy's life. Right. How much fun is that? <laughs> yeah. Ron Jeremy could play Howard the Duck. Ron, Ron Jeremy, Jeremy should could play show the, up. He could play like the the Canadian beaver guy, or you know, Very, he could just be the hedgehog. They could exactly. just make him into a, a hedgehog. Oh my God! How about go. this, Kevin Smith? Howard the Duck. Kevin Smith, write Howard the Duck? Yes. Maybe not direct it, but but write it. Yeah, definitely write, but not direct. What made me think of that was, um, was, um, Mark Unless Hamill he gets off knocker. all the freaking chronic. Kevin <laughs> Smith, I mean, he's like so baked all the time now. Yeah, but that, it doesn't that sort of harken back to, to the Howard the Duck yeah, Vibe but I mean, man. it's to the point where he's like, he's 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 not a pot smoker. I, I saw him on the San Diego Comic Con, and he's like, he's hey, how you slob. doing? You know, he's like wasted all the time. <laughs> so, so he's gone. So he's gone into like Snoop Doggy Dogland of just like beat red, beat yeah. red eyes. Yes, well, you can't tell with the sunglasses, but you could just see it in just his mannerisms. So, isn't he supposed to be setting a good example for for Jay? He is, and and Jay is turned into like the the cheerleader, working hard. I'm in the business industry guy. I don't know. I mean, I I don't follow those guys as closely as I used to. Yeah. Kind of, you know. After Clerks too, that was pretty much it for me. Really, I loved Clerks too. I really no, liked I, it. but no, I did like it. But I mean, I I kind of just stopped following them after that. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I used to go to their websites pretty regularly, uh, view askew, and I got all sorts of, you know, view askew swag. And well, there's and stuff. a. I highly recommend this on YouTube. There's a, from one of the more recent Comic Cons, from I think the last Comic Con, I think it was. There's a, somebody asks him a question about he did a movie for Prince, and. He goes, yeah, I'll tell you that story. And it ends up taking like 40 minutes, this whole story of how he 
met Prince and and was filming stuff for a movie for Prince, and it's hilarious. You know, you could tell he wasn't really prepared to tell the story, but somebody asked him at just the right time where he was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna tell I'm gonna finish up, you know, answer this question once and for all, and like took 40 minutes to. And it's a, it's just, it's really funny, really, really funny, and very illuminating into what Prince's lifestyle is like. Oh yeah, what's that? Oh, just you. Know, at one point, um, Prince's, you know, um, handler, right hand woman, you know, he has a whole staff of women that that support him, and you know, the woman who basically is his, you know, go to girl guy you know, liaison to the world says to Kevin Smith, you know, I mean, if Prince calls us at three o'clock in the morning and says, I need an elephant and a giraffe, you know, and we tell him, Prince, it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, where are we going to get, you know, we're in Minneapolis, you know, where are we going to get an elephant and a giraffe, you know, just go and get an elephant giraffe for, for you to use today, you know, how how is that going to happen and she said he would just be you know like completely confused as to why that couldn't be made a reality for him instantly you know what i mean mm-hmm. so he lives in that world where nobody ever says no to him and nobody ever you know he gets to do exactly what he wants and it's just it's a cra- i'm i'm sort of tiptoeing around like a lot of the story points because kevin smith tells it so well that i don't want to ruin Right. Any of the any of the the, the story elements of it because it's just very, it's 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 hilarious. But basically, yeah, he's, you know, Prince is in this whole world of his own imagination where you know, every you know everything revolves around him, and he's super super Christian, weird Christian, like Jehovah's Witness, weird, testifying. You know, Satan, Satan fighting Christian, trying to you know trying to save everybody on the spot, type of things. So yeah, it's uh, if you, if you just go and like Kevin Smith and Prince on YouTube, I'm sure they'll pop. You you know you'll find it'll pop up rather quickly. Hmm. I'm looking here at the hilarious. Gerber on and Wikipedia. Some other time we'll have to talk about in 82 when he teamed up with Jack Kirby for Destroyer Duck. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. He did another one, too. It was a graphic novel um, called Stuart the Rat, and that was with the art by Gene Colan and Tom Palmer. Um, they redid that a few years ago. That came out of, I, I, I never heard of it, and all of a sudden that just showed up on the shelf one day. And, uh, I'd never heard of that either. It's good. It's good. It's it's um it's a lot like Howard the Duck. It uh, sounds like it. <laughs> it's got the same like yeah, the Duck phonetic. Yeah. 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 It was good. That was a good one too. So, well, I'm saying uh, next time we do a Howard the Duck, I I say we do your first. Howard the Duck. We do number, what was it, 15 or 16? 15. 15. I think we do, uh, I think what we should do is we should do uh, the Giant Size Annual 1 
and then 15, 16, 17, 18. Those are those are awesome, awesome issues. Yeah. You know, okay. Because 16 to me is just today is like one of the most bizarre, wildest. You know, it's just mind fucking. I mean, what I'm, else can you say? I'm sure they got. I'm sure it split the letters that they got right down the middle on that one. I'm sure there were a lot of people going, this is pretentious, and there were a lot of people going, Wow, the college dude. kids are like, this is awesome. Yeah. Dude, yeah, what are you doing? You're blowing my mind. Yep. But yeah, the the, the, the first Dr. Doctor Bong storyline, which goes up through 18, where Howard gets turned into, uh, into a human, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty wild. So, but you know, it's the whole doctor, you know, the Dr. Moreau dealio. That was another yes. comic. Oh, I love that comic when it came out back in 77 when they redid the a lot of the the movies back then with the Gil Kane cover for the Island of Dr. Moreau. Man, oh. Remember that? I don't I never knew they made a comic adaptation of that. Really? Movie. Oh, yeah, man. I remember when that movie came out. Yeah, me too. I remember seeing it eventually because uh, I had the comic for a couple of years. I remember finally seeing it on ABC and being freaked freaked out by the pig dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the pig dude was really creepy because pigs and humans are very similar. You know, they have that like some sort of like the really fair-skinned people when they get a sunburn. You know, like a really fair-skinned, hairy guy, when he gets a sunburn, can look a lot like a pig. And that pig just had like that. I worked element. for the guy. I worked with the guy a few years ago from from down in South Carolina, and man, he looked like a pig, probably because he ate so much pork. <laughs> he was a big boy, and he had the pig nose and the mustache, and just bright red face. It, I think he eventually I know he had a massive heart attack and had to retire. I think he eventually died, sadly enough. But yeah, I mean the guy was we go out to breakfast with him and he's ordering four eggs and double bacon and It's okay sucks. if my heart explodes they'll give me the heart of a pig. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool because it uh the comic was came out in October seventy seven, written by Doug Mensch. Penciled by uh, Larry Hama. I like Larry Hama. Mm-hmm. I I met him a couple years ago. He's kind of a crabby pants, but uh, uh. you know, he did a lot of good stuff. Larry Hama. I liked his work. One of these, like Howard the Duck, number thirteen or fourteen, also has an awesome, you know, the bullpen bulletins, and it, it has announcing Star Wars comics coming. Yeah, you know, coming out, they're like, you know, you may have heard of, you may have heard of this, you know, we this science fiction movie by the guy who did American Graffiti. We have a feeling it's going to be really big, and they're just like that, you, you know, it, we we decided this movie was so cool that we're going to take six issues to adapt it, so it's going to be the most thrilling six months of science fiction. And I'm like, holy shit, that's right, it took six months to to play out, you know, the the movie in comic book form. So, 
yeah, they were right. I guess it did end up turning out to be a, a bit of a big deal. Yeah, sort of. and then and then all the pretenders afterwards, like Close Encounters and stuff like that. Close Encounters was, I believe, Gene Col. Was that Gene Colin Art? No, it was. Um, I know um, Klaus Jansen. It was Perez, I think. I'm talking about the movie. That's all. Oh, Just... all the. Oh, I thought you meant the Pretender. Co- Adaptation comics. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about just a pretender, <laughs> just a pretender movies that tried to tap into the Star Wars thing. Oh yeah, like almost everything from that point on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. About a year after Star Wars, there was a Star Wars ripoff like every month of some sort, something. Or some combination of, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say with Star Wars and Spielberg, you know, <laughs> they just sort of pop, you know, the Star Wars and, you know, Jaws, Close Encounters, those first few Spielberg movies just all sort of popped up at the same time. And, you know, I think Jaws was definitely before Star Wars. And uh, they were just in time for Freddie Mercury to hate on him. Freddie Mercury? Yeah, you ever heard um, Bicycle Race? Yeah, oh, yeah. Says, Jaws That's... was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars, but I still like Freddie Mercury anyway. Yeah, well, he was just, you know. He was just being a pissant. That's all. That's okay. Well, I think we we're about, uh, I don't want to say running out of time because it's not like the tape's running out, but... Yeah, I think we've, uh, we pretty about, much got got it got it out there. About run rung Howard the Duck number one through the ringer, and we'll we'll be back with more Howard the Duck. You'll be hearing from Johnny Bueno sporadically, and in our comics monthly Monday. I'm kind of curious to hear uh, hear Scott's version of the comic bag. It's supposed to be fifteen twenty minutes. What do you think? We'll see Over, if he can get it, do it. Keep well, under you know, an hour. I know. I mean. <laughs> If 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 we lived in the same town, then I could employ my patented, uh, you know, tranquilizer dart method of keeping people timely. But then again, look at me, man. I'm just I'm just as bad. But you're a mess. We'll see. No. 
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. I would like to dedicate this episode to Jack Horkheimer, the star hustler, who died on August 20th. He was born on June 11th, 1938, and had a long-running PBS astronomy show that was just awesome. So hats off to you, star hustler. Some people hustle pool, some people hustle cars. But have you ever heard about the man who hustles stars? Jack Horkheimer, star hustler, director of the Miami Space Transit Planetarium. Our episode for this week, Monday, September 23rd through Sunday, September 29th, is Brightest IFO of the Year and How to Find a Planet in the Daytime. And now here to tell you all about tonight's sky and the biggest show of all, the universe, your star hustler, Jack Horkheimer. Greetings, greetings, fellow stargazers, and yes, indeedy, this week, one of the most often mistaken objects for a UFO is at its greatest brilliancy for the entire year of 1991. It is, of course, an IFO. I mean, if a UFO is an unidentified flying object, then an IFO is an identified flying object. And this incredibly bright object in pre-dawn skies has been identified for several thousand years by many, and misidentified by as many more. I'm talking, of course, about the brilliant planet Venus. And if you go outside any morning this week, about an hour or so before it starts to get light out, you will see dazzling, brilliant Venus high in the east, breathtakingly beautiful. And by the end of this week, Saturday morning, the 28th to be exact, Venus will be at its maximum bright for the year. And if you look at it through a pair of binoculars, 
or a telescope, you will see that it is a huge, gigantic crescent. Also, if you watch it once a week or so throughout the rest of this year and the beginning of next, you will see that it will grow rounder and rounder, but smaller and smaller as it moves farther away from Earth and journeys back toward the sun. But what about that planet I said you could find in the daytime? Well, excluding the one we're standing on, which I dare say most anyone should be able to find, there is another planet that is relatively easy to spot in broad daylight, with the sun blazing away full blast. And that is Venus. And to find it in the daytime, simply do as the people at the Abrams Planetarium suggest and use binoculars. Simply locate Venus before sunrise and keep track of it as the sun rises. Make a mental note of just how far away it is from the sun, and then you should be able to find it with your binoculars all day long. But one word of extreme caution, whenever you use binoculars, be absolutely certain that you never look directly at the sun with them, because you could damage your eyes almost instantaneously without feeling any pain. So, remember, if you want to see Venus in the daytime with your binoculars, mentally measure the distance of Venus away from the sun as the sun rises. Then, look that same distance away and in the same direction from the sun, but not at the sun, during the daytime. And you should see it without any problem whatsoever. In fact, many people claim that when Venus is at crescent phase, the crescent is actually easier to see in daylight than in a dark sky. And by the way, make a mental note sometime this week of the distance between Venus and the second brightest planet in the sky just below it, Jupiter. Because although they are now about 22 full moon widths apart, by October 16th, they will be less than five full moon widths apart, which will make a pretty spectacular picture. So, out under the heavens with you to catch an IFO, and whatever you do in the meantime, keep looking.